1: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball.
2: It's a short week, but it's an up week around here in Saskatchewan. Because yesterday, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the last game of the week, Held on in a defensive struggle, 17 13 over the Edmonton Elks. They flew in this morning riding high with that win. Um, It was a tough game, though. Tough game. Uh, Some bumps and bruises, but they should be okay. On this short week by the way football is not meant to be played on a Sunday and then again on a Friday I don't care if these are 20 something 30 something year old guys like this is let's not ever think that any league cares about their players because they don't I don't listen Zinger I love the fact by the way I'm Michael Ball at Sean Kleisinger wherever you are listening, thanks for making us part of your day I like the fact that from a viewing standpoint Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there was one game a week, okay? Mm -hmm. But we're in a nine-team league. Why didn't we double some of those games up? Some of those games should have been doubled up for the simple fact that you would eliminate this Friday, Sunday, Friday BS. Like, even make them... Even make it earlier, like make it a 2 o'clock kickoff in Edmonton so that the guys could get home and rest it a little bit faster. You know what I mean? It's about the product, too.
3: Yeah, like looking at the schedule, so Winnipeg, Saskatchewan on Friday, it would have made more sense for Saskatchewan to maybe – play before Winnipeg did on Friday, you know, because yep. Winnipeg, they've had a full 48 hours more off. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. That does. Uh,
2: that's I mean, not it's, fair. I mean, if we can break down the schedule, maybe there's some way they make it up, I guess. Like, you know, maybe there's going to be a stretch where Winnipeg has to play on a short week. I'm sure there will be. I don't care the team. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just in general. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then, of course, at the end of the game, there was the big hit on Trevor Harris, and let's be honest when he was walking off the field he wasn't moving too fast.
3: No his uh looked like a tail like you know when yeah. you fall on your tailbone yeah. and it's just that excruciating yeah. pain. So I'm going to tell you <sighs> right
2: now Trevor Harris is in good spirits that's what I'm going to tell you so and that's all that uh, cuz you know when you're traveling with the team um you carry a level of confidence. He's in good spirits. He's playing cards with uh, Jake Wineke, uh virtually across the aisle, like you know, like game of hearts or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, are they. Yeah, they're having fun. So. Uh, yeah, Trevor was. What did he say after the game? He like "That's
3: the worst I've ever played in a win." I, think I was said.
2: very. I I actually talked to him personally after the game about that, and that's what I I came away with. Very impressed with his leadership like he was mad at himself he didn't talk about anybody else or anything else he said i will not be that bad again Mm -hmm. that's what he vowed he goes i will not be that bad again he was especially mad at himself over that that clumsy Ooh. interception to to um, was it re- Niles Morgan the middle linebacker that
3: reminded me of my high
2: school days. Yeah, I threw a couple bad picks like yeah, that. That. <laughs> that reminded me of another number seven. If I could say that Marvin Graves. No, oh, another cool, recent number yeah, yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. So, I, know what, so, I know. where so, you're going. So he looked like <laughs> kind of Graves. a he looked like out kind of a drunk sailor. Well, Marvin Graves too. Yeah. kind of looked like a drunk sailor coming. You know, yeah. a stumbling there, but. I I also told him be kind to yourself, man. There was a he put a he threw a great pass to Emelis. Mm-hmm. in the end zone, dropped it in there. Uh, he checked the riders out of a lot of things, showed a lot of poise. Guy doesn't... I, I said on the broadcast, he's got all the mobility of a traffic cone, and he took it 19 yards straight up the field from the three-yard line. And that's something that's very impressive about that rider win.
3: First play of the game, too, that deep ball of Alford, I believe it yeah. was. That was a pretty good throw, if It was I a good throw. Quite. It was
2: to a guy who's not familiar making plays like that. I, I, I um... I uh, was pretty impressed with like, Kelly. Jeffrey said, "Hey, we're going to run the football." They smashed them. Went, that that first oh. drive that went 103 yards and ended in a field goal. That was domination. Then when they had to after the goal line stand, which by the way was a thing of beauty. They 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 ate up the whole clock. They ate up. That the That was entire my favorite clock. part of the game. My Just only concern nose. about that. My only concern <clears throat> about that in hindsight is 2020. Okay, and I'm not a coach. My only concern is I think I may have put Shea Patterson in there to roll out because obviously he's faster than Trevor Harris. He could have ran around, killed some time, and then thrown it to the back of the end zone. No disrespect to Shea Patterson, but if he gets smoked like that, your season isn't up in smoke. Mm -hmm. That would be my only critique, but once again, I just get paid to call the games, not actually make calls for the team. That's for other people to talk about, and we will talk to Coach, and you know we're going to ask him that question. After five o'clock, hey,
3: I had a caller call in after the game, and he was mad at me that the Riders didn't kick a field goal. The last he drive. was mad at you. He was mad at me because he said if the Riders would have made a field goal there, he would have won a bunch of money on like some kind of bet. So and why is I, that your fault? Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, "Why are you mad at me? I don't have anything to do with it." But I think you know he had a couple wobblies in uh, his system, so yeah, he was uh, like, yeah. "I understood his pain." At the mm-hmm. same time, do you think they
4: should have kicked the field goal there?
3: No, I think they. I think they did. Well, I think I agree with you. Um, they should have just uh, rolled out Patterson and just, you know, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy for me to say, but it's hard not to say Patterson shouldn't have been in there when you can't Harris tell me You off. can't
2: tell me that everyone in that organization that's a coach or a manager or a president or anybody to do with that team, when that guy went down at the end of the game... And he stayed down for a bit. You can't tell me there wasn't a collective gulp. That mm-hmm. could have been the whole season. I was right gulping. There. Me could have C- been a- Colson was sitting beside yeah. me. I,
3: like I looked at Colson, and his his jaw was like on the floor. Yeah, see, I could yeah, still, still see <laughs> Salava. <laughs> that's,
2: that's what his jaw was. Hey, uh, speaking of tackles, how about the security tackling Adam Hadwin as he went to celebrate with Nick Taylor? First time somebody's <laughs> won the Canadian Open since 1954. That's lived in this country. What a great job by Nick Taylor. Did you see that 72-foot putt? My car didn't even go... My first car didn't even go that far.
3: I did see that. My favorite part about the whole weekend, though, was when Hadwin got body he slammed... Got
2: absolutely by the absolutely yeah. The popo came yeah, in. Yeah,
3: That was funny.
2: And I loved his wife... His wife was on Twitter reacting to that, yeah, you, and he was could, on Twitter. You as could as see
3: Hadwin's, like, when he was on the ground, he was looking up at the police officer, and you could, you could see his mouth moving a bit, and the one cop was kind of like, yeah, I think we messed this one up. But in fairness yeah. to the
2: cops... He was wearing, like, street clothes. He was wearing street clothes. He didn't look like no No, golfer. No, so I'm not blaming security. I thought the whole thing was funny. I thought Hadwin handled it correctly. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's not like they did. They tackled Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Most people know those guys. Not a lot of no disrespect to Adam Hadwin, but most Canadians couldn't pick Adam Hadwin out in a in a police lineup.
3: I just opened up Twitter, and that's the very first yeah. thing that pops up yeah. is the big body. So that's pretty cool, though, for the RBC Canadian Open having pretty
2: cool. Nick Nick Taylor winning it, huh? That is outstanding, actually. That's what I'm that was like about. Brooke Henderson winning here in. Um, Mm-hmm. In 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 Regina a couple yep. years back. Okay, so we do this every um, every uh, game. Victory Monday. Yeah, but, in it, this case. but 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 I just want to point something out. I was I was uh, I was critiquing myself after the game, laying in my hotel bed, and I didn't have a very good sleep because I was kind of mad. And there's nothing to do with my buddy Jerry Dombrowski, who I think is one of the best audio texts going. But I I, I the crowd was actually loud there in Edmonton for a change. Over 30 yeah, G. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Um, I uh, I said to Jerry, is my headset level a little like it seems like the crowd's too loud. Seems like I'm fighting the crowd with my call. So in a lot of cases, it sounds like I'm I'm yelling more than I normally do because I wanted to get away from that. So I do want to put a, I want to preface this that um, I was kind of fighting it all day. So uh, I'll give you a little apology. I'll, I'll be better going forward, uh, but... Hey, Trevor Harris didn't have his best game. We still won. Michael Ball didn't have his best broadcast, and we still got it on the air thanks to my buddy Sean Kleisinger. But here's what we call the Rider Rewind.
4: Two receivers to the left. Morrow in the backfield. He gets the handoff. Morrow bounces up. No! They flip it off to... Darrell Walker, he came across the formation from right to left, touchdown Saskatchewan. To win this game, Cornelius takes the high shot, gets a bubble screen, what a hit, great job coming up there was Jeremy Clark. Here's Cornelius stepping up the throw, he's going to go down in the quarterback sack. Micah Johnson. Here's a screener. They're trying to set one up. Pivoting away from the rush is Cornelius. He's going to leg it to the 40. Near side. 35, 30. And there's that great athleticism by Taylor Cornelius. Taylor Cornelius throwing down the left sideline. Here's the pass for Lewis. He made the catch, and he's going to score. 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, 100. 102 yards as Jeremy Clark fell down on the jump ball. Hickson stays in a block. Here's Harris, throws down the middle. It's caught by Evans. He's going to take it to the 10 and find his way inside the 10. Finally wrestled down. Here's Harris, takes the shot, gets snap, throws the corner round, right intercepted. That's picked off in the zone defense and running this one back is Kai Gray. An ill-advised throw from Trevor Harris. Cornelius. Pocket- holds up, throws down the middle, it's dropped, and Doki lowers the boom. Cornelius waits, he's got time, now he doesn't, now he's going to step up and heave it deep, downfield, intercepted by who else? Gene and the free safety. Down to Mario Elford. That is 15. Hicks in the block in front of him. Angling news right across the 35. Across the 40. Elford outside the numbers. He's at the 50. The elk 40. And the kicker tripped him up inside the 35 at the 33 of Edmonton. (laughs) Takes a shotgun snap. Backpedals two steps. Under pressure! And he got sacked in the quarterback sack by Anthony Lanier the second Here's Cornelius taking the shotgun snap The rush is on, he throws to the far side And that one Is intercepted picked off by Roland Milligan, Cornelius, he is hit and he won't get it away, a quarterback sack and I think Miles Brown got there, yes, here's Trevor Harris with a crowd in full throat, fakes a handoff, falls as he throws and it's intercepted, he was falling down and it got picked off by Niles Morgan, he tripped, here's Loxley again, Fans cheering. Sends him in motion. He's going to take it off the left side. He's not going to get it! The Riders have stopped them! oh baby hands it off tomorrow ball in his right hand he's gone 50 45 40 and then he goes down they hand it off to hickson left side hickson breaks a tackle 30 breaks another tackle dives for a first down the riders hold off the elks 17 13.
2: Yes, indeed. Our Rider Rewind. Rough Riders 17, Edmonton 13. We encourage your text or phone calls at 936-6262. The text line is powered by the Capital Auto Group. That's the number to call locally, 2936- 6262. Or you can get a hold of us at one 767 620 I know many of you probably called into the Sports Cage Radio Roundtable after the game, but uh, hey, I, I'd love to talk to you. What do you think of the Rough Riders? What do you think of Uh, Your football team now I will tell you I've heard there's about 6,000 tickets left I did get in line To get a pair of tickets Myself I bought two tickets Um, And I will tell you That um, Who are they for? Come on Who who are they for? Ethan's coming home Oh yeah That's right So anyway um, I got uh, two tickets And I was in line I was about 10 deep the, the pretty steady stream rolling through there. So don't delay. Get your tickets today. Do you know what I miss sometimes? The old ticket office
3: at Taylor Field. I had yeah. such great memories as a kid going in there knowing that I was getting some rider tickets
2: with my dad. You know what I did? I, I got them printed off. I love printed the, tickets. Oh, man. They still print them off there. I love it. I'm, I'm I love, the chills. I love printed tickets. <laughs> right up my alley. I love it, man. I know you love it. So anyway, uh, get your tickets because they are going to go fast. And a little later on, I got a little announcement about... Uh, uh, the 50 50, which is going to be outstanding, too. And the Blue Bombers come to town. God, we got to beat those guys. Hmm. Like, we'd beat them in the preseason, but that doesn't count. Let's just let's just kick their ass and send them back to Winnipeg. Could you imagine if the Riders just came away with a win, huh? Can you imagine if Oof. the Rough Riders started 2-0? Oh? Hmm. oh, that would be that'd be minty. And beating the Bombers, being ahead of the Bombers in the standings? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how much those bomber fans would be crying on Twitter? It'd be the tears everywhere. Anyway, we'll take a break here from our offensive game star from yesterday, Jamal Morrow. This is the sports cage on 620 CK. KRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Roughriders is on
1: the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM.
2: All right. Well, our offensive game star at 14 carries for 80 yards. He averaged 5.7 yards a carry and the bulk of his work as you heard in the uh you he- Tuned in at the start of the show. We just finished our audio rewind, the sport uh, rider rewind, and uh, from last night's game. And he had the bulk of his work in the fourth quarter when the riders needed to seal the game. Jamal Morrow, our offensive game star. Luke Mullins with Jamal Morrow. Hey man,
5: talk about the energy in the locker room right now after a big win.
6: I mean, that was that was just a great overall team win. Special teams, defense making a huge goal line stop, and the offense in that fourth quarter, being able to close out that game. I mean, this is the first game of the season. It wasn't pretty on offense, but as a team playing team football, making stops when we need timely stops, making plays when we need to, that's a huge step for this team and I mean that's that's a great team win the last two
5: drives I really noticed you especially this game there were times where you'd sort of be patient and wait for the lane to develop for you but you attacked the line of scrimmage on those last two drives what were your what was your thoughts going into those drives
6: yeah I mean um it was, it was definitely frustrating. I mean, Coach Bo Duke was stayed on I me. Mean, He's like, hey, let's continue to take the, the two three yards, and at the end, you know, it's going to pop. And the old offensive line did a great job of just hey, coming off the ball in that fourth quarter, dominating the line of scrimmage and making my job easier. So, I mean, there's a tale to that and just kind of, you know, just trusting the game plan, trusting the reads, and when it's time to make a play, you got to make a play. What was, what was the –
5: <laughs> I guess, what was the key? Because you guys really managed. There were some ebbs and flows in that game, but you always managed to sort of gather yourselves, and we didn't see a lot of that in year one.
6: Yeah, I mean, it is just a testament to the guys in that locker room. I mean, we have a lot of veterans in here. It's a new team, but it's a veteran team, and I think it was a great job of everybody staying positive on the sideline, and like you said, it was making timely plays, and the team making timely pins when we need to. Like, I mean, defense, special teams, offense. I mean, it was just a, kind of just trusting the process, and got yeah, it's
5: a great team win. I've been on the defensive side of the ball during a goal line stand, but talk about uh, as an offensive player when you see your defense hold up three straight plays in a row.
6: That's unreal. I'm, you know you usually see the two, right? To get that third one, that was <laughs> I was speechless. I could I don't know what I couldn't. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's just a – that defense, like D-line, that's the, the strength of our team. And those guys, when it's time to put those big boy pants on, they put the big boy pants on. And I mean, he made the last play, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So he just, I mean, we got a bunch of balls on this team, and they showed on that when it was time to st- uh, st- stand up or step up.
5: One of the best things about the offseason is, is, is us knowing that you were going to be back, but also Frankie Hickson was back. Talk about Frankie's day-to-day. Day today.
6: Oh, uh, Frankie's a doll. Frankie's a doll. I mean, he, he plays with so much passion and energy, and so when you see him out there and just punishing the defenders and finishing runs, that just excites me, and it's just like we just, we just feed off each other, you know, and so I mean, it, it's great. I mean, and the thing is, having Coach Bo Duke, he understands, like, we both, how the talent we have in the backfield, he does a great job of rotating us mm-hmm. and making sure if we're hot, we're staying in, so, I mean, it's Frankie's amazing. You know, I love him as a teammate. I love him as a brother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, anytime he goes in the game, you know something, something crazy will happen. He'll hit the yeah. physical. He'll dominate and finish the run. So I love him to death. Bull Duke
5: was a guy that, you know, wasn't really known when he, when he became your running back's coach. Talk about what it's been like through training camp to this point with him.
6: I mean, he's been great. I mean, even if you look at this is career just having the rooms he had you know with stand back and you know Fletch last year and everybody I mean the running backs have success and so through the success that we that we've had last year and to bring him in this year and he just adding just different tools to our toolbox and different you know just more of a mental game and I mean he just brings so much energy and I, I mean I love him he's, he's a great guy yeah
5: um, for you you're a little bit more experienced now talk about what it's going to take on a short turnaround to, to compete against Winnipeg at a. Mosaic Stadium
6: yeah I mean it's I mean you see, you see how how they played the other day, you know, started fast. So it's just time to, you know, you enjoy this one tonight, and then, you know, you get back on the plane. It's, it's go time.
2: Hey, man, 1-0 to begin the year, man. Yes, Congratulations. All right. Great job. Yeah, I appreciate all right. you, man. Thank you, man. All right. That's Jamal Morrow with a big uh, fourth quarter for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Hoping to see him feed him the ball a little sooner in the game. But, hey, when it mattered, they got it to him. When we come back, we will uh, – have Zelko Stefanovic, our coach of the week. We'll talk about what he's doing down on the states with some great young football athletes from Saskatchewan. This is the Sports Cage on your voice of the CFL, your voice of Rough Riders football, and your voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM.
3: 332 with the sports ticker and the Denver Nuggets. Well, they are a franchise. That were founded way back in 1967. And they have never won an NBA championship. And that could change tonight. They are just one win away from hoisting the Larry OB trophy. They're up three games to one on the Miami Heat. And if they win tonight, it will be a big-time event for the city of Denver. They are on home court tonight. The Denver Nuggets are 6.30 p.m. opening tip. And we're going to talk all about the game coming up at 4.05 with Sportsnet's Arash Madani.
1: Each week, the Sports Cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week.
2: And our Coach of the Week runs the Selects football program out in Moosja out of the Yaris Center, Zelko Stefanovic, who's a friend of the show, friend of mine, and he's on the road in the United States, I believe, South Dakota. Brookings, South Dakota is where I find him. Is that right, Zelko? Yes sir, we're in beautiful Brookings, South Dakota, man. Awesome. So, uh you've got some kids you're taking down uh to uh tour and and go to these camps and I can speak uh personally cuz my son did it before the pandemic when he was headed into his grade 12 year. How many kids you got down there?
0: We got 25 kids. Michael, All right. like
2: Yeah. That's cool. You got two, do you, you have two vans? Who's, 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 uh, helping you chaperone these kids?
0: Oh man, it's crazy this year. Uh, cause you know, but of fuel and everything. busing was way too much. So we decided we we're just going to rent some vans. So anyway, we got like five vans going, a couple of cars, you know, kids are t- piled in there. You know, my wife, Deb is driving one of the vans. My son, Matt is driving one of the vans. I'm driving one of the vans. Like, you know, it's, uh. I need to get these kids down here, man, and get them some exposure.
2: Yeah, so talk about that. What does this look like for you, this tour?
0: It's great, man. Like, we've got an amazing group of 2024s. You know, the kids that are just finishing up grade 11, going into their senior year. As you can hear the horn in the background, so they're just into the one-on-ones right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's fully, full padded here in South Dakota. Uh, and as you know, I mean, we have We already have a couple of kids playing here. Ethan Vibert uh, and Max Paul-Strek are already playing here, so it's really nice to see some friendly faces. You know, uh, we have some pretty some pretty good talent in that. You know, we don't we didn't bring any seniors this year. It's so all grade eleven and grade ten kids. So um, no, they're they're looking amazing. Right? So, I
2: mean, so 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 you you, you, have- you went with younger guys, elevens and tens. Was there a was there a reason for that Did you have a bit of a mind shift? Is just an evolution thing with doing this? yeah man, you know what like like they kind of have to they kind of have to
0: we we really wanted to give them some exposure on on what this is all about. Last year, we went to five different camps on over seven days. It's a grind, man, like you're doing three or four hours a day of football uh a lot of it is non padded of course, right so a lot of one on ones and and listen like this like this camp here. You know, South Dakota State. There's about 400 kids. No, they're gonna they're gonna probably offer. Looks to me that they're probably gonna offer five or six kids out of this cop of uh, of, of campers full scholarships, right? So,
7: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and essentially that's what the kids are here for. I'm not talking about our kids. I'm just talking about in general, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then the, you know, if we can, the younger we can start them, show, you know, show them exactly what this is all about, the kind of talent they're up against. Uh, you know, so they know when they go back home that <laughs> this is kind of what level they have to be at in order to be able to compete for these scholarships. You know, the younger we can get them started, the better they'll be off when they come back in their in their grade eleven and twelve years, right?
2: Yeah. So Zelko Stefanovic joining us here. He's our coach of the week, running the Sasalex football program. He's got twenty five kids down there in the United States now. You guys are in South Dakota State, but you weren't you in Nebraska? Like, where are you going in this tour here?
0: So this one here, like last week, we were at uh, at uh, Oregon State and Western Oregon. Then this week we're at, uh, we're at we went to Nebraska yesterday. We're at South Dakota State today. Then we kind of we kind of turn around a little bit and head backwards and go to uh, Iowa State tomorrow. So, and then we're gonna head home. And then hopefully later when the finals are done, we're gonna be going to Wyoming and. Montana State and uh, and Idaho.
2: Same kids or just a different group of kids or how does that work?
0: Yeah, no, you know what? Like last week we had a we had a different crop of kids. Uh, this week, you know, again, a totally different crop of kids depending on their on their schedule and and how it con- conflicts with U eighteen or U sixteen. We're trying to do as as best we can to to make sure that the kids get an opportunity to to take part in the U sixteen and U eighteen. We don't want to interfere with any of that. Mm. Um, you know, so. That's why we're a little bit harder to kind of schedule everything. But, you know, I mean, the kids are kind of, the kids are buying in. And I tell you, man, like the coaching they're getting down here, they're only going to get better back home.
2: right? Yeah, so, 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 Zelka, let me ask you this. How has that been received with regards to local, um, Junior programs or or university, uh, like do you, do you, for lack of a better way of putting it, do you butt heads with the guys here, or is a pretty open dialogue that you're just trying to help the kids out the best you can? You're not trying to take away from their program because at the end of the day, you're also helping direct them to U sports programs too here. And you know what, like, like like we just had we just had half dozen
0: kids get offers from U of A. Uh, you know, U of S is talking to all of the kids. U of R is talking to all the kids like, you know what, man? Like, we just want kids to play football after high school, right? Because that's the that's the ultimate goal. And and truly, you know, the lottery is to, is to to get your education paid for, right? Whether whether it's in whether it's in Canada or whether it's in the U.S. Uh, that's the ultimate goal. That's kind of the lottery.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, we we <laughs> we butt heads with some people back home because they don't think we should be doing this. And you know that listen. It, like if, if if I was to tell you how many times I've heard, you know, people back home say, hey, man, if they're good enough, they'll find you, you know, it, it is 100 percent incorrect.
2: That's garbage. You know? That's absolutely that's absolutely garbage. I don't believe in any of that. I I I, I had my son go uh, with you and do this. So I'm 100 percent behind you. I I, I I don't believe that at all in anything in life. You have to you have to today show them. Who you are, and and it's important to go down there, Zelko, because you can send tape to anybody you want, but especially as it relates to the United States, if you don't go and show them, they can't do the eyeball test on you. You don't have a sniff.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like they, they, they put the kids through their paces here. Like yesterday, we had one kid. Man, he was getting a personal workout with Coach Rule. You know the mm-hmm. uh, the head coach of Nebraska. You know they were he was timing his his forty. You know, he 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 was standing right beside him when he was doing his broad jump, when he was getting measured. Man, that's the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Man, it's like it's like one of the most prestigious, you know, big NCAA programs in 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 the U.S. Right? So, power five school. You know, the, these coaches are noticing our kids. man. Yeah. They're noticing our kids, but they have to be. And and like I. You know, we're not trying to take anything away from what's happening at home. Just the kids have to be here in order to, you know, nobody's going to give you a scholarship, a $250,000 scholarship on film. That's not going to happen, man. You know, it didn't happen to Chuba Hubbard either. He had to come down here and and and, and, and take part in some camps. And you know, and that's when he
2: got a. That's when he got an offer. So mm. I know, like, I like the fact, I like the, fa- I like the fact you're sending them down there, Zelko, for this reason. If they have any aspirations to even stay in Canada, and 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 and. Take that next step. It's a real eye-opener for those kids, man, that you have to work. You have to grind. You have to love this thing. Like, I know when you go to the States and play on those teams, everybody on that team was the best player in their school. There are no days off of practice. There's no days off in the film room. There's no days off. 100%. 100%, man. And and, that's one of the things I tell
0: these kids here that, that we brought down. You know, if you, if you see the level of competition here and you see the level of effort, you know, uh, for from every single kid and every single rep, it's something to behold of, right? Like, I mean, it's – and that's kind of what we want everybody that's part of our program, whether it's in a winter program or in, in, our, in our camp stuff. That's one of the things that we want all of our kids to take away is it's just the grind, right? Like the work ethic, you know, always striving for excellence. You know, being best at at at, at, at something at your craft—if you're passionate about passionate about it—just want you to be successful at it. And if this is something that we can do to help them. You know, get to that next level, whether it's in Canada or in the U.S. Man, like it's, it's a small place to pay, right? Yeah, them up in the vans and driving all over there, all over, all over the U.S.
2: Yeah, and that I got, I I got, I got um, to ask you, why do you still do it? Like, why are you still do? What do you get out of this?
0: Man, you know what? Like, it's it's. It, it's been a, it's been a, a, you know, I had three boys in this, right? They were coaching. Uh, now the, the program is kind of ballooned to Western Canada. Uh, you know, I have some, uh, some of my boys are coaching in it now. Uh, you know, <laughs> and we absolutely love it, I tell you. And to see the successes, and, and 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 to go back, and like I don't know if you, like last year we went to some NCAA games, mm-hmm. some all of the U Sport games to watch some of our former players contribute and win, and go to the vanier and win a national championship tonight. They're unveiling the rings at SDSU and the boys are getting a ring, you know, stuff like that, man. Like it kind of keeps you in the game. It keeps yeah. keeps the the, 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 the blood, pump, blood pumping. Right. And I yeah. mean, yeah. we love it. It's,
2: hey, a hey, last, uh, lastly, Zelko, um, how do, how do our kids stack up? How are the boys you brought down? they stacking up in these drills. You know what, Michael, like, like I, I,
0: the same stuff I told you after Ethan came back from from our trip to Wisconsin and Nebraska, and you know what? Our kids are so much better than they, they think they are, and people at home give them credit for, man. They are so much better, you know? And it's just, a, like, it's I don't know. I'm beating this drum. I've been beating this drum for the last 10 years because we go down in the U.S. and win all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And now we have coaches that... Man, that's, you know, they see the Canada kids coming Everybody knows about it. Like at this camp, everybody knows about the Canadian kids so There's probably certain schools represented here Yeah Division 1, Division 2, Division 3 They all know about our kids
2: That's outstanding all, We compete, man, we compete That's awesome, man Zelko, thanks for all you do <clears throat> Safe travels and uh, say hi to the boys for me well do, Michael. Thank you so much, man. Take care. That's our Coach of the Week from the Selects football program, Zelko Stefanovic down in the United States. Yes, Max Chuck. And Ethan Vibert, Max was a uh, uh, Sheldon Williams Spartan. He went down to a prep school, I think for his, I want to say his grade twelve year, maybe even his grade eleven year. And then he uh, now he's uh, converted. He was a receiver. He's converted as a safety right now with SDSU. Yeah, I think I talked to him. Yeah, you did. You interviewed him. Yeah. And then um, um, Ethan Vibert is an offensive lineman that went from uh, Miller. He has yet to crack the starting lineup, but he's been uh, a backup. And they'll both be honored today, getting their rings because they. won the fcs championship yeah. this past year so it's ethan, cool. was, ethan was at uh, camp randall right in madison wisconsin yeah that's yeah, where Ethan yeah. went now, my ethan yeah he yeah. went them he went to northwestern in chicago mm-hmm. he went to wisconsin he went to uh south dakota state and then i took him down to north dakota but see how it worked for my kid was north dakota i'd settled a bunch of tapes okay parents always ask me so i'm just this is i'm just relaying what i did so i sent a bunch of tapes early from like grade 10 and san diego state was interested because they'd been recruiting a guy from saskatoon a few other places and then i got hooked up with zelko and paid the money and he it's very affordable he's not soaking Mm it like he's not getting rich so he took him around to those places and um what happened was north dakota was following him to all these camps because like Zelka said, there's about 30, 40, 50 schools. I think then there was like sixty schools and they followed him so they were at Northwestern. Then they went to Wisconsin and then and then they moved um to they followed him around. <clears throat> and then I'm like, gee, I should probably get him into should probably go to their camp. So then I took him down to North Dakota and he was uh he was Mossen guys. But they, <laughs> they already had they already had their receiving kind of room projected already yeah so they say well we like how you attack the ball would you consider flipping flipping to safety and ethan wasn't really eh, i don't know and then man here we go here we go but i will tell you this so you can set. where i was going with this is you can send tape to anybody you want in the united states okay it, like zelko said they're not going to give you a scholarship on that. You have to go down to their camps. Yeah. Part of it's a moneymaker for the schools, it is, but part of it is they want to see the eyeball test because when you send them tape from Canada, the best I can put it, and I've said this to a couple of people and they agreed, so when you when you watch Canadian tape, first of all they watch tape from Canada and they automatically say, well it's Canada, how good could it be, right? Secondly, you look like to, suppose you took a bunch of uh, minnows and put them in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Say it took a say it took 100 minnows and put them in an Olympic-sized swimming pool, okay, or a swimming pool, they'd look slow. They wouldn't look as quick, or you wouldn't be as amazed, right? Mm-hmm. Or you wouldn't get, holy cow. Then you take those same minnows and you throw them in a fishbowl or an aquarium. Now they're flying around, and you're like, holy cow. That's what our Canadian kids face when you give them, when you give that tape, of when they're watching it, what, on a CFL field. Then you mm-hmm. put it on the 100 yards by 53.3 yards wide. Now, all of a sudden, it looks different. So when you put them on a field, their field, now they can, oh, okay, he says he's six feet. Oh, okay, he is six feet. Oh, he says he can bench this much. Oh, he can bench this much, you know what I mean? Yep. So you have to spend the money to go down there if that's your aspirations. That doesn't mean that, um that doesn't mean that I'm, And Zelko's not, but I can speak for myself. doesn't mean I'm against U Sports Football. I think U Sports Football's outstanding. Um, It's just a different world down there. That's why we need the ratio to protect our kids and give them a chance. Because every player on those teams, every player... Is a is was the best player at their high school, Mm -hmm. like that's the one reason. There's two reasons I'm glad I sent my son down south culturally, he's met people he'd never meet before from Chicago, from all over the place with different backgrounds. So that's you can't put a price tag on that. Number two, my kid can't take a day off, he cannot take a day off. Whereas, I'm sorry, you sports, you could take a day off, you sorry, you can't take a day off, but what I'm getting at is. After the second guy on the depth chart, the third guy, the fourth guy, you're just basically competing against yourself, right? Mm -hmm. If you're one of the top players. But if you're down there... You you can't take a day off in the film room in the weight room in if you got therapy if you got like nothing like you you cannot take in the classroom they are all over you it's just a different world hey, absolutely different world
3: it's kind of like the same too with National Football League versus CFL CFL yeah. I mean like the days down there are way longer way more like intense compared to what a CFL day is as far as like meetings and stuff mm-hmm. we've heard it from players mm-hmm. I'm I'm not just making it up we've heard it lots they over say there. It's way
2: more fun to play in the CFL than the NFL. But they're also paying you 10 times the money, Yeah, right? You're getting way more money in the NFL, so they're going to grind you. Same there. When you get a scholarship, sounds great, and it is great, but they got your ass. Like, Mm -hmm. you're doing... Yeah, do what they say. You do do (laughs) what you say. Uh, He had a teammate. He had a teammate. I kid you not. His dad bought him tickets to a uh, Chargers-Raiders Christmas Eve game or New Year's Eve game. He couldn't go, he couldn't go because he had a or he, had, he, had, yeah, he had a he had a optional workout which wasn't an optional workout.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't mess around. It's a big huh? business
2: man, they yeah. don't mess around. We're going to take a break and be back. You can text us 936-6262. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. It's
1: time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on
2: Saskatchewan Sports Radio six twenty CKRM. All right, time to catch up with the Dean. No, not Larry Dean, who played a pretty good game, but the Dean from the Edwards Business School in Saskatoon at the US, Keith Willoughby, who does CFL simulations. They'll be going on in uh, July. Uh, you can find them on the cfl.ca website, I think. Although, I'll tell you what, man, I'm trying to be very as positive as I can, but... Uh, but Keith welcome to the show first of all thank you for taking time out of your schedule I know you're a busy man I find it absolutely
8: glad, glad to be here Thanks for I, the
2: I find it absolutely ridiculous that our partner in the league uh genius sports can't get the stats figured out like we've had two years to figure this out this is kind of embarrassing
8: uh kind of embarrassing exactly it's um like it talks about genius being like a true oxymoron of a name in terms of we hope these guys can at least be geniuses with giving us stats. But there are, if you go into the CFL website, there is a link called Stats Information, and you can actually pull up a lot of cool stats. Again, they're hidden, but there's a lot of cool stats about the recent games. So they just need to make them more transparent for the regular fan to follow.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, if I have to jump through hoops, in today's day and age, people <laughs> don't want to jump through hoops. That's the whole point. Anyway, um, uh, I wanted to get, as a rider fan and a knowledgeable fan, um what did you think of that game yesterday?
8: You know, um in my mind, not I don't want to get into hyperbole or blowing this up like to be like, you know, the second coming of the of the nineteen sixty six Saskatchewan Rough Riders, <laughs> but I think on the whole, this was a huge opening game for the riders. We had a sour last two thirds of the season in twenty twenty two. You couple out with going on the road, which is tough at the beginning of the season. You go on the road to Edmonton where the Elks haven't won a home game in their entire franchise's history, you've got Chris Jones, the mad bomber, who's running um, the, the Elks franchise. To me, the stars were aligned, pointing to this being a game that could really trap the Riders, but thankfully the Riders pulled through. Um, it, the Dean and me would give the, the green and white probably a, a C-plus in terms of this game. Uh, plenty of good things in the defense, but the offense needs a bit more cadence and rhythm.
2: Yeah. Yes, and... um actually to be quite honest with you, everybody's an armchair quarterback. We are not, we're not paid to be coaches, uh, we're paid to talk about it. I would have preferred to see the Riders not play Philip Blake in the preseason and play Trevor Harris a little more uh, in the uh, preseason because, and, and I and I and that's not just the Riders. I do treat the first two games of the regular season of the CFL kind of like an extension of the preseason when they used to have four games. They're they're going to have to figure things out offensively, defensively, but especially offensively. Uh, you know, you look at two teams. I think Bo Levi Mitchell and Hamilton. I don't think he's. Wise. But he's definitely not the old Bo Levi Mitchell And I think Trevor Harris just needs some time to figure things out But I do like what I saw from Trevor with his poise The way he climbed the pocket And I liked his leadership He was hard on himself after the game He didn't blame anybody else He said he was terrible and he'll be better
8: uh, well said. Like he he manned up. Um You know, there was that bad interception that he tossed in the fourth quarter, immediately prior to the Riders' goal line stand for three sh- uh, three stops the one yard line. So yeah, poor pass on on Trevor's part. But I got to give the offensive offense credit. To me, two things really stood out. Number one, this team went ten of eighteen on second down on seven plus yards, which is phenomenal. You think of that's like number one. They're face, they face a lot of second downs, but they converted more than half of them, which shows that yeah, they didn't get much in the first number. They're able to find ways of moving this chick, of moving this uh, chains, advancing the sticks on second down. And then you look at what the riders did once they stopped uh, Edmonton three star, stop, shots from the one yard line. Then they marched the, down the field proficiently, basically killed all but the final two seconds of the clock. That, to me, is a good thing to build on for the rest of the year because it shows when the chips are down, the team can be called upon to make the crucial plays at the at the opportune times.
2: Yeah, and two other key stats that I think are worth noting as we have about a minute to go, Keith, um, and you'll be back many times during the year. We had five quarterback sacks, Edmonton had two, and we only took five penalties for like 37 yards or something. Those are two great stats for the Rough Riders.
8: Yeah, I think every member of Ryder Nation was on bated breath the first time that Trevor Harris stopped, dropped back to pass. The fact that, again, the O-line held up, our defensive front seven played phenomenally well, and the team played disciplined, intellectually sound football. Uh, I think we're looking for some, again, I don't want to start planning the Grey Cup parade, but hey, we're 1-0, and and it doesn't happen too often that the Riders go on the road, open the season, and get a W. So good for the green and white.
2: Yeah, do you got any other, quickly, uh, 30 seconds, any other interesting stats about that?
8: Hey, let's look at the last three times. The last three times the Riders have started the season on the road and won the the game. Um, They've made the playoffs all three times. In fact, two of those seasons, 2007 and 2013, they won the Grey Cup. So hey I'm <laughs> playing the Great Cup Parade, but this is the sliver of hope that every member of Ryder Nation needs right now as we go to face the bombers on Friday night.
2: I love it, man, I love it. Thanks for your time Keith, take care. We appreciate you contributing to the show. Go Riders. All right. Keith Willoughby, he is the dean of the show, the dean of the Edwards School of Business in Saskatoon at the U of S. We got news coming up with Corey Atkinson and then Arash Madani, where the Denver Nuggets can win the NBA championship in the Mile High City. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud
1: to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is The Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Rashma Madani. Our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series baseball, and everything in between. This
2: is Coast to Coast with Rashma Madani. He joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. This segment's brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Give Brian Golly call at Smart Investing Solutions, 546 25 Thirty-three. Brian's a sports fan. I don't know if he's an NBA fan, but if he is, he'll be watching tonight. Arash Madani, you're in Denver, Mile High City. The Nuggets were founded in 1967. They've never played in an NBA championship, let alone won one. So tonight's a big night for the folks in Denver. What's the scene like there?
9: Well, this is too easy. And your pal Zinger just uh, reminded me of this when we were setting up the phone call, Balzi. You said 1967, right? Oh yeah. Last time the Leafs won the cup was yeah, right? <laughs> that
2: was yeah, that's six. right. That's Just hard. Had to get that in. Hard to believe, eh?
9: It's and, and it's amazing because you talk about champions and cities, and last year at this time, they're prepping for a parade in downtown Denver because of the Avalanche, and now it could be the second time in as many years when the Broncos won one seven years ago. I mean, it's a, it's a big sports town, but everywhere you go, it's Nugs, nugs, nugs. And uh, I tell you what, Balsey, front and center is Jamal Murray, the kid from Kitchener, Ontario. I went for a walk this morning, and two massive downtown billboards have Jamal sitting back, and it reads Playoffs, Murray, and Playoffs is crossed out. Now it reads Finals, Murray, on the
2: digital billboard. Nice. Hey, cool. hey uh, you sat down with him and his dad over the last few days and talked to them. What stands out about their journey?
9: Well... <laughs> Here's what's really interesting is that, you know, you think about athletes and you think about people who make impacts on athletes. And for Jamal Murray, who's grown up wanting this, wanting to be a basketball player, wanting to be in the NBA Finals, all those things. Do you know the performer who's had the biggest impact on Jamal Murray, Balsey? Who? Bruce Lee. Really, the most famous martial artist ever. That's weird. Fact, that, when, that, that's weird. Yeah. When we were in Miami after Game Four, in the back of the in the back of the of Murray's locker in the visitors' dressing room, in the back of the stall was a Bruce Lee quote that said, "Knowing is not enough; we must apply. Willing is not enough; we must do." And I asked Jamal about that yesterday. And he said, look, I've just been thinking about all the things that I've always wanted to do. He said, I don't want to miss the opportunity. And he said, knowing is not enough. It's good to know it and to realize it, but you have to go out there and motivate yourself to do it. And he said, for him, it's visualization. He, he does everything from asking the equipment guy, what color jerseys are we going to wear tonight? So He wants to envision how a game is going to unfold. He's going to envision how if he misses a shot, how he'll react. If he makes a shot, what's he going to do? All of those things from the art of martial arts is paying off for jamal murray i thought that was really interesting
2: yeah i love uh, your reporting because you don't just give me the superficial stuff you dive in and give me the meat and potatoes so uh, sports is a copycat business what do the nuggets what do the nuggets do what have they been doing the last little while that's kept them near the top and on the verge of being on the top of the uh, basketball world
9: well you talk about a copycat world right so <laughs> Three of the last four head coaches who have been NBA champions, Nick Nurse, 2019, Toronto, Frank Vogel, Lakers, 2020, Mike Budenholzer, 21, with Zingers, Milwaukee Bucks. All three of those dudes have been fired. Now you have Denver. Michael Malone is in his eighth season here in Colorado. And what you have is you have an organization and you have ownership that's that shown a willingness to wait and build from the ground up, mm-hmm. that they're they're going to be patient. Like, they, dra- Baldy, they drafted and developed Jokic and Murray and Porter and Braun, and now here they are. And, you know, Malone said, look, everybody does it differently, and some teams want to mortgage their future and go get the surefire player, or the all-star. And he said, that's never been us. It's never been rushed. And then I think back to, oh, wait a minute, who are the owners? Well, it's Stan Kroenke. Mm-hmm. Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams, that won a Super Bowl two years ago. Stan Kroenke, whose Avalanche, won a Stanley Cup last year. And now Stan Kroenke's nuggets are here. Um, you know, Mur- I asked Murray about it. He said, look, patience is key. Nothing happens overnight. He said, you know, when when you have a vision of sticking together and keeping each other up and motivating each other, that matters in a team environment. And while everybody's firing everybody for only getting to the second round or only getting to the conference finals or whatever... Here's Michael Malone in year eight, and it looks like the Nuggets are going to be around for a while. Now.
2: Can I just uh, can I just hold the phone here? Okay, it seems like everybody's not you, but everybody's got the ticker tape parade ready to go. They do know that the Miami Heat aren't supposed to be here; that they <laughs> have been. Uh, Playing with a chip on their shoulder the whole time. They do know, right, that Eric Spolstra is a top three coach in any sport in North American professional sports. I I'd put him in the top three any sport. Um uh, maybe we're we're throwing the dirt on their grave a little bit too early. And they have Jimmy Butler. hmm Right?
9: They have playoff Jimmy, Jimmy
2: Bucket. When's his hero, hero? When's his hero? When's his hero guy coming back? Apparently tonight apparently Tyler
9: Hero is going to give it a go at that broken hand tonight. And so, look, Miami went 8 of 25 from three-point territory in Game 4. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if they, if they hit two or three more shots, it's an altogether different game. And Spolstra yesterday told us this, ballsy. He said, yeah, yeah, we've had our setbacks, but he said, you know, our group has a defiance time and time again. And I thought it was really interesting that Udonis Haslam spoke with the team. Haslam's 43. He's at the end of the bench. He's been a part of all three heat championship teams with D-Wade and Shaq, with LeBron, Bosch and D-Wade. Mm-hmm. And his message to his guys was, ain't nobody got to four yet, so keep playing it's true. and stay in the fight.
2: It's true. I, 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 think, I personally think Miami stays alive tonight. And I think Florida's gonna stay alive in the NHL. I think both of those series go back to Florida. That's my opinion.
9: I hope you're right, Balsey, because selfishly I've had a blast covering these finals and I hope they continue.
2: Yeah, well you uh you have a great life for sure. So do I. I get to call my favorite football teams games. And with that in How did mind,
9: you go yesterday, by the way. I
2: went pretty well. Yeah. Well, hey, they won the football game. I will tell you this, it it it, it absolutely ticks me off. When coaches talk down to media, I know. one of us is doing our job, and it isn't you. Case in point, Chris Jones, who I'm not going to sit here and cut down his coaching, okay? But when your team gets stopped three times from the one-yard line in the CFL when you have to give a yard off the ball— and a reporter
9: running the same play each time. Yeah.
2: And a reporter asks you about it, and you shoot back that that's a dumb question. And then some, the same reporter says, Well, what about what do you have to say about an 18 game losing skid?" <laughs> Yet another dumb question is what he said. Uh, you know what, man? That's, embar- no, not, that's, a, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing on your part, Chris Jones. Yeah. Yeah. And it's on your watch. Yeah. Uh what's your takeaways from week 1 what you saw?
9: Um well, you and I have talked about this for a while now and it's just it, it's gone from kind of like a trend to like very evident now. Mm-hmm. Calgary is just a reputation team at this point. Like do the Stamps scare you in any way?
2: Uh not right now. I I I've, I've never been sold on Jake Mayer. I listen, I'm not saying he's Bad. Uh, Dave Dickinson and John Huffnagel know more about football than I ever will, and about quarterbacking for sure. They've never been wrong in a quarterback. But after Week One, I was like, I don't know. Uh, The
9: other is, I mean, like I don't want to be Captain Obvious here. Montreal has got fixed an offensive line. No, I shouldn't say offensive line issues. That's unfair. Pass protection issues, because it wasn't just you know four guys coming off the line of scrimmage and getting to to Cody and hitting him, what, sacking him six times Mm -hmm. and hitting him how many? That's just not going to cut it. And I thought that was a really important win for BC because you know what nobody's doing this week right now in Vancouver, ballsy? They're not talking about Nathan Rourke. Who, by the way, congratulations, he got married over the weekend. Yep, in Calgary. Nobody's talking about Nathan Rourke. And suddenly, you know, Vernon Adams says himself a little bit of time to really make this his team which is the most important thing that he
2: In my opinion and not because I cover the team you know who the best assistant coach in the CFL is right now in my opinion Jason Shivers what his yeah. defense did in now granted there's a reason why uh, tall, strong arm quarterbacks are in the CFL, not the NFL. Okay. There's, 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 there's usually a couple of reasons. And I think we may be starting to see that with uh, Taylor Cornelius. But what Jason Shivers' defense did in that game especially after that bad interception by Trevor Harris with the goal line stand. Like, they are playing lights out, and for the most part, they played pretty well last year until they got into some injuries and, obviously, the excommunication issue with uh, our friend Garrett Marino. I think Jason Shivers is a really, really, really good football coach.
9: Here's the other thing, and I see him still on Twitter. Um, I hope Gary Stern's ashamed of himself. I hope Gary Stern's embarrassed for himself, watching what Gino Lewis did and not providing Danny Machocha with the means to go sign him.
2: Well, Trevor okay. Harris would be in. Trevor Harris wouldn't be in Saskatchewan. He'd be in Montreal. He'd sure. still be in Montreal. Absolutely, yeah, be in Montreal.
9: The, the dysfunction over ownership in Montreal is why those two aren't there anymore, and that is bad. <laughs> Well, really, really bad.
2: Well, man, you know, I love picking your brain about sports. I hope you have a great time tonight in Denver if they win. And if not, uh, you'll go back to Miami. There could be worse things to do than go back to Miami. You got a bell. Take okay. care, man. That's Smart Investing Solutions, sponsoring coast-to-coast with our friend Arash Madani from Sportsnet, best reporter in the business, in my opinion. Let us uh, take a break when we come back, our clutch performer, with a football player that I just love to watch. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620
4: CKRM. Cornelius, pocket holds up, throws down the middle, it's dropped, and Dolkey lowers the boom. Cornelius waits, he's got time, now he doesn't. Now he's gonna step up and heave it deep downfield. Intercepted by who else? Jaden Dolkey, the free safety.
3: Talk about a perfect afternoon for Jaden Dolkey yesterday. Number one, it was his dad's birthday. Number two, he had over 150 family and friends in attendance at Commonwealth Stadium. Hometown kid. And, well, you heard it. Big hits, interception, all of the above. What a game yesterday for the former Alberta Golden Bear. Jaden Dulkey, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick's service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, rogator, gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077.
1: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This
2: is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Get to some other sports here in a second, but Jaden Dulkey's a stud. He is a flat-out stud. He told me on the bus, I'm bringing the wood in this game. He was like a uh, heat-seeking missile. He doesn't care about his own body, so why would he care about yours? Mm. And those were clean hits. He, he smoked Geno Lewis. He smoked Stephen Dunbar Jr. Clean hits. He lit a guy up on special teams and then made the special teams tackle. He was the guy on the goal line stand that made the stand on second down. That's a
3: play that stood out to me. He could
2: have been our defensive game star, but I picked Roland Milligan because Milligan's a flat-out stud, too. He's the best halfback in the CFL, Mm -hmm. which I think is the toughest position to play. Locked up with Geno Lewis for a lot of the game. Had a great interception in front of Money Bank Lewis. Uh, Oh, yeah, that was nice. That was a nice juggling and stayed in bounds. Had a great goal line. Made a special team stop. I love Roland Milligan, but I love me some Jaden Dahlke on his dad's 50th birthday. We'll get to a couple of your texts. Looks like Connor Hellebuck's unwilling to sign a long-term deal with the Jets, so they'll not only be looking maybe to move 24-year-old Pierre-Luc Dubois wants a trade, but Connor Hellebuck, too. Um, Nobody wants to play in one of Yeah, Hellebuck's current situation, one of the most ideal for a goaltender wanting to play the bulk of the games. He owns the league's most starts since 2015. 2016 with 436. He's got the second most wins with 238. In that same time frame, second only to Tampa's Andre Vasilevsky at 256. Nick Taylor with the uh, Canadian Open. Wins the PGA Canadian Open. Uh, First time a Canadian's done that. Since 1954, Ooh. Adam Hadwin, his buddy, got tackled, trying to celebrate with him because he was dressed in street clothes. <laughs> Tackle That looked like something straight out of Happy Gilmore. <laughs> uh, you heard from Rashmadani Madani, Denver and Miami tonight in Denver at Ball Arena. Love the name of that arena. Chance for the Nuggets to close it out and win their first NBA championship. Ryan Husk is the new coach of the Calgary Flames, uh, coached in their farm system for a number of years. Also, um, looks like Patrick Waugh It's going to be announced. He's going to leave the Rempart tomorrow. Yeah. Man. I'm not sure where he's going to go. Rangers maybe. haven't hired a head coach. You Peter. said you read Peter Laviolette could be the guy. Yeah, that's what I read, so yeah. maybe. Interesting. That was from uh, Elliot Friedman said yeah. that it's gaining some momentum. Some CFL news: The Argonauts have signed uh, 2022 CFL All-Star DB Jamal Peters. He was cut last week by the NFL's Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Bombers have signed American defensive back Brad Muhammad, formerly of the Calgary Stampeders, and former American defensive tackle with the BC Lions, Miles Fox, to their practice roster. And Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors, he is going to, he's going to uh, become a free agent. He says he's turning down a. Player option of twenty two point eight million. He's going to become an unrestricted free agent. He wants out of Toronto too. He's been of Toro- uh, one of Toronto's lone bright spots on a team since Kawhi Leonard left after the nineteen or twenty nineteen NBA Finals. Averaged over nineteen points a game in each of the last three seasons at twenty six points in their plan game against. He should come the to Chicago Milwaukee. Bulls. Uh, well, who knows, man? Who knows, man? Maybe he wants to play if, with if, if, Giannis. If, if the Bucks move on from Drew Holiday, I don't know. I think that would
3: be a good replacement.
2: All right, uh, you could text That's us it. at nine three six sixty two sixty two like Mike says, Mike sends a text in, let's pack the park Friday night and show the Bombers we've had enough. I've got my tickets. From Leonard... Cody and Jason Moss were celebrating that win over Ottawa as if they won the Grey Cup. I didn't watch the end of that game. I went out for supper with Bob Stoffer, actually of the uh, Oilers Radio Network and the guy who joins us here on a weekly basis. I didn't see that either. I wonder if they were like, uh, you know, some Gatorade showers or whatnot. I don't know. Hugging, hugging it out. He got sacked six times. Two of the sacks were his fault. Like he did his little spinorama again into a sack. I saw that uh, twice. Listen, it sounds like I'm hating on Cody. I'm not. I wish him luck. But uh, Me too. But I hope he does really good six, this year. Six quarterbacks. till he plays us. Yeah. Six quarterback sacks against Cody Fajardo. He's like, oh, my God. Am I still in Saskatchewan? So uh, it's a good... Uh, you know, our our offensive line makeshift as it was only gave up two. Great job by the boys up front. Yeah, they held their own. They held their own. Yeah. Yep. Hey, uh, Ballsy, you, Luke, Zinger, the whole 620 uh, crew had a great call of the game yesterday from Tom. Thanks, Tom. Me? Appreciate it. <laughs> well, you, uh, you're the maestro behind the scenes, man. Um, and, uh, And this one from Anonymous Texter. I don't understand why the riders can't go straight from the airport after the game yesterday and fly home. It's an hour flight. Yes, it is. But the issue is... We have the uh, short runway and a big runway, and right now the big runway is being repaired and resurfaced at the Regina International Airport. So they limit the amount of flights coming in. So that's why we couldn't come home yesterday. <laughs> that's
3: why it was such a rocky landing when the last yeah, time I landed. Yeah, no, and Regina. ours was, ours
2: was too. And the guy told us, "Listen, we're gonna have to, we're gonna really have to uh, slam on the brakes. slam on the brakes when we hit it." I almost flew out of my seat, man. Well, we had we Luke, Luke and I had a couple of water bottles and stuff on the charter, like they they put out for you. <laughs> I had to hold the. Gatorade and stuff. Things are flying like, and it's nobody's fault. Great job by the WestJet staff there, and I have all the kudos in the world for pilots. Man, they don't get. I don't care. Yeah, WestJet
3: pilots just got. Yeah, yeah.
2: so what, man? They don't get paid enough money. When you think about it, how often do you get onto a plane and not think about your life? Every time, (laughs) every time. Like I don't. I'm like. I just assume I'm going to go up and I'm going to come down. I think have, about that.
3: I have a, I have a nervous tick every every single time I board an airplane. Yeah. You know, obviously when you board yeah. the airplane, yeah, you can like touch the yeah. plane and stuff. Every time, yeah. I board an airplane, I draw I draw like a crucifix with my finger on nice on the side of the That's airplane. I, but think about that. I, I, I hope th- that it's not bringing myself bad luck now that I brought it up. You know. You know. Well, <laughs> you're fine. You're got a better
2: chance of getting killed in the car accident. Hey, by the way, I want to give a shout out here. I know we're over time, but I want to give a shout out to the family of Russ Flynn. Flynn, the window cleaner. He was a guy that followed me when I was on the Wolf. He cleaned... You'd see him with his rider lights on the on the truck when he went and cleaned windows and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russ passed away on Friday. Oh. Yeah, um his wife got somebody to reach out to me and she made a call during the game and then I called her back today. He passed away at the age of 67. He was battling health problems for a number of months in hospital. So my thoughts and prayers go out to his wife and anyone that knew Russ Flynn. Great Rough Rider fan, man. He'd go to all the games. It is sad. Um, We'll take a break and be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. It's 434 with your sports ticker for
3: Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. NBA Finals tonight, game number five. The Denver Nuggets can win the Larry O'Brien Trophy with a win. It's a 6.30 p.m. opening tip Saskatchewan time. Can't wait for it.
1: The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the SportsGate CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game.
2: Okay, the CFL Report brought to you by our good friends at Kevin's Marine. Thanks to them for getting on board with this feature. So, you can check out Kevin's Marine in Fort Capel or online at kevinsmarine.com. Make the most out of summer with a boater pontoon from Kevin's Marine. So, Zinger, I put together a uh, my power rankings after week one, okay, for whatever it's worth. I got the Ottawa Red Blacks at nine. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Nick Arbuckle. Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, I got... Uh, Edmonton at eight. Yeah. Taylor Cornelius. Man. Oh, man. Wasn't he supposed
3: to be oh, the MOP or rash? We forgot to bring that yeah, up. Yeah,
2: I forgot. I'll get him. Uh, Don't worry. Uh, the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats at seven. Uh, Bowley by Mitchell. Man. Oh, man. That final score oh, looked a whole lot better yeah. than what that game yeah. was. Uh, the Calgary Stampeders at six. Uh, their defense looked good, but Jake Mayer in the offense. Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. The Montreal Alouettes at five. Cody Fajardo had a nice deep ball to start the game uh, to Mac, I believe. And then six quarterback sacks against Cody. It was a field goal fest with Ottawa. Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Number four. Trevor Harris was okay. He had a touchdown pass. He made some poise throws, a nice 19-yard run. He had a couple of bad picks, including that late one. The defense picked him up, though. He took ownership of it. He had a drop touchdown pass to Emelis. That would have made the numbers look better. but I got the Riders at four. That was a solid effort on the road. A gigantic win for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. At number three, I mean, they didn't play, so they can't go up. They can't go down. The Toronto Argonauts at number three. I mean... They get they got the rings, so that's a positive. I think they play Hamilton this Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, in Toronto, which should be a good one. Okay. Number two, I got the BC Lions with Vernon Adams having a good first half and then an okay second half. BC Lions home to Chris Jones and the Edmonton Elks on um, Saturday. They got the a big weekend of football there. Can't wait to see it there in BC. They're going to show the. I think they've got um, the Trues plan the day before. And they got the party the day before their game and they're showing the Ryder game on the big screen. Riders Bombers. Then LL Cool J. Yeah, let's go. let the game, he, yo, let's, go, let's go. Come on, yo. yo yeah, man. mama said knock you I'm, out. Mama oh, said it, baby. i want to knock you out. Come on. And the number one team, the Winnipeg Blow Bombers, uh, the Blow Bombers, uh, they look great, man. They roll the, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So they are the top dogs and they're here on Friday on Dad's Night Out. Get your tickets. Yo, yo. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage
1: on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
2: Mike Kelly, our NHL expert on the NHL Network, analytics guy, but uh, brings it to light in a fun way. Uh, Thanks for joining me, Mike. Uh, Listen, I'm older than you. I know that for a fact. I used to love it. I know old man yelling at clouds, but I loved it when it was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday. You knew when the games were. Before we started the talk here, I'm like, hey, Mike, when's that When's that game? Is it tonight or is it tomorrow? Like, yeah, so it's Tuesday. Chance for Vegas to close it out.
10: Well, you'll love this then because if they don't close it out, the next game's Friday. So another multiple days off but uh yeah it's a little squirrely and uh you know i'm excited for this game though i know it's, it's tuesday night um vegas is really dominated i i would say and uh i don't i don't think there's any doubt they're, they're going to win the stanley cup we'll just see if it happens on tuesday
2: yeah are you surprised they've dominated like it looks like their toughest series was the edmonton oilers series to be honest with you
10: yeah um I, I thought they were a clear favorite coming into this thing. I, I said Vegas and six, um, but I, I didn't really have any doubt that it, they, they should win. The only thing that I thought could stand in their way is a Bobrovsky, Bobrovsky actually found another level um, from what we saw in the last couple of rounds, which again can happen. Uh, he hasn't, he's been really good for Florida, um, but he has to be better than you could even ask for. And, and I think that's ultimately a roadblock. So, uh, they may do it in five. They may do it in six. Uh, we'll see. We've seen these Panthers resilient before. Uh, I remember joking with Billy Lindsay down at the NHL Network when it was 3-1 Boston. Um, just saying, "Well, oh, I guess you're, you're kind of wrapped up in Florida. You're going to do some more NHL Network dates. What are you going to do? Like, it was over. And here they are. So you, you never count them out. But uh, Vegas has really started to kind of put their foot on the throat of the Panthers. I know the last game was close. Um but they're really outplaying them.
2: You know, it's interesting. No two series are the same. So it's hard. It's apples and oranges. But when I hear you talk like that, Bobrovsky has to find another level to beat Vegas. Well, wasn't he pretty good against Boston, which was the far superior team? You know what I mean? He was really good.
10: And like he, he his overall numbers in that series were like okay. Again, I look at goal saves above expected. It's the best way to isolate goaltending performance. Um, And towards the end of the series, yeah, absolutely, he was a a rock star for them. And he carried that through the second and third rounds. And and again, he's been very good in the cup final. Um, Like his goal saved above expected was slightly in the negatives in the Boston series overall. Although, again, last couple of games, brilliant. Um, In the next series uh, against Toronto, it was three point something. In the next series against Carolina, it was seven point something. Like he just got better and better to an absurd level yeah um, where it's like less than a goal a game. it's just it's getting ridiculous. so he comes in he he's been a big part of keeping this thing close, and Florida uh, to me, Florida played one game in this cup final that they were you, you definitely say they were the better team and they should have won, and that was game three. Mm-hmm. So um Vegas territorially has controlled it like we thought they would uh, they they defend the front of their net so well, and Florida doesn't, and it hasn't in this series. Um, Like one of the things I look at, how many passes are you getting into the slot, right? That high danger contested area of the ice. Uh, If you look at Vegas's top five games in the playoffs this year, in terms of most pass completions into there, four of them will come against Florida in the cup final.
2: Wow. So, so that's where I was going next. No disrespect to Aiden Hill, but nobody knew who the hell Aiden Hill was as a casual hockey fan before this. Is it, is it more about, the way they clog up the front of their net and block shots than it is Aiden Hill.
10: More. Yes. Um, and sometimes that's kind of all it is. Like I, and again, I don't want to discredit goalies here. I mean, these are guys that are, are the best in the world at what they do. Like if you look at the Edmonton Oilers in the regular season, Stuart Skinner's goal saved above expected was like zero. It was just, he played well, right? He stopped where he should stop. He didn't stop more. He yep. didn't stop less. And Edmonton scores a ton of goals, and they win a ton of games, right? Um, and if you're a team like Edmonton, that'll take you places because you can score so much. So Aiden Hill is, is kind of gone beyond that, and this is probably why Vegas is a big part of why they are where they are. The team defense has been great, and he's been really good on top of that. Now, if you're looking at him as a you know free agent to be and saying, is this a guy we should invest term and money into, I would be careful not to say that he can't do it, but you can't tell me for sure that he can and there's no chance he's going to be this guy for the next several years. Like he'll be in the hall of fame if he starts doing that. So um, he's been good on top of a really good Vegas team defense.
2: Mike Kelly, NHL Network, joining us here. So, Mike, uh, I follow Chandler Stevenson here in Regina with the Pats, all right? And Chandler Stevenson could always fly, and he was always one of those glue guys, okay? Which is kind of what he is in Vegas to an extent. But Chandler Stevenson, and granted he was a teenager here, so, uh, you know, and he's an NHL player, I am not, all right? But he couldn't hit water from a boat in Regina. Not much, be- not much better in Washington. And now he looks like I don't know Braden Point at times.
10: He's been really good. Uh, you know, th- this—it's if you look at the trade, I think it was a fifth-round pick. Yeah, it was. Chandler Stevenson was the trade, right? Yep. Um, That—that's as good as it gets over what the last ten years, probably maybe more. I mean, for the value that he brings, but again. And I give all the credit in the world to Chandler Stevenson. You, you watch him play, you know he's a good player. Yep. Uh, uh, on his own, right? You play with Mark Stone. Who's the other guy on that line? Howden. Howden, Howden yeah. He's looked really good, right? Um, Barbashev has looked really good with Marshall Sohn Eichel. Like, these guys are being put in positions to excel, and then they're doing it. So it, it, to me, it's, it's kind of two-pronged in that sense. And not everybody can do it, and I think that's important to note as well, is you can't just put anybody with star players, even two star players, and, and have them produce and, and play really well. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, it's harder in some ways, keeping mm-hmm. up with those guys and thinking at the pace that those guys think at and play at. Now, he can obviously do it with his speed, um, but he, he's a, an intelligent player as well. It's one of the reasons I think he's meshed so well there in the role that he's been put in. And the great thing for Vegas, I mean, yeah, you, they get him. He's on a fourth line, third line. Um, you move him up onto a first line, second line, like he's, anywhere you put him, he can be great. Not every top six guy can be great in the bottom and vice versa. He's been great everywhere they put him.
2: Mike, for your money right now, as we head into the game tomorrow, game number five, who's the Consmite Trophy winner?
10: Well, to me, it comes down to a question. If you're a voter, um, do you, do you want the the engine that, that gets you to the finish line, or do you do you want the the guy that that you know puts the puck in the net, which is hard the hardest thing to do in the game. I'm not diminishing it, but mm-hmm. I think it kind of comes down to Eichel and Marchessault, and you know Marchessault's got whether well, 13 goals in his last 13 games. He's been on a heater, um, or that was the case going to the last one. Um, he's been great, and then you got Eichel, and, and Eichel is the guy that is set up a lot of those. Um, but has been a huge driver of play as well and has been very impactful defensively. Um, And that's where I would tip it in Eichel's favor. Now, because Marc Gasol's got four goals in the cup final and he's been on this goal-scoring heater and he's got one more point than Eichel to lead the playoffs right now, uh, very worthy guy if you give it to him, no question. I think kind of some of that recency bias will... will, And and the goal scoring, which, you know, people love and is is important. Uh, I think that might tip it in his favor, but if it was me voting... Um, because of, you know, all the other areas of the game that Eichel touches as well and how consistently he's done it, I give it to him.
2: What a crazy world, hey? Like, Eichel's been compared with McDavid, Eichel's in Buffalo, Uh, (laughs) McDavid's in Edmonton, and think about this. Jack Eichel is going to win a Stanley Cup, and in your opinion, and it probably isn't wrong either, the Conn Smythe Trophy winner before Connor McDavid. Like, what a weird world.
10: I know. Well, number one, my opinions are almost never wrong. So I'm glad you agree (laughs) with me on that one. Um, (laughs) But uh, I know, even coming into the season, we know where Jack plays. We know Vegas is a a team that could win a Stanley Cup in any given year. But if you were to say, you know, okay, Jack Eichel may win the Consumite trophy or will win the Consumite trophy, we get a couple funny looks, I think. Um, But what, what does everybody talk about on his team, right? Is how well-rounded his game has been like he has been a star in all three zones for that team Mm
2: -hmm. yeah hey and lastly uh staying with the western hockey league here i mean let's give a shout out to kelly mccrimmon former brandon wheat king uh, yeah uh to to go there and do what he did and bill foley made the prediction the owner six years will win a stanley cup first he said seven then he said six and it looks like his prediction is going to be accurate thanks to kelly mccrimmon and his staff
10: I know they've done such a great job, um, George McPhee as well. And you think about, obviously, the one that stands out, right, is, is getting Smith and so from Florida, from the team they're playing. Um, but there were a lot of deals. And then free agent signing since then, it's been a destination place for free agents that they want to go to. Um, the Barbashev signing. I mean, that might, have been, that might end up being the best one of, of the bunch um, for how well he's played for that team. It, sneaky guys like Amadio, um, they've really kind of done it all right. And uh, you give them a lot of credit for that. So I know we talk a lot about, you know, GMs around the league and who the great ones are and, and uh, um, how often do we talk about, you know, McCrimmon and McPhee um, or Don Waddell in Carolina, a mm-hmm. really good team. Like there's a lot of guys uh, that are doing a heck of a job in
2: the league for sure. I'll tell you what, Seattle could be in the same uh, same trajectory yeah. as as Vegas because they've got a lot of cap space too.
10: That, so that, to me, is going to be interesting where they spend it, right? Like Vegas, they had nice pieces, and they had that great first year in that run. But you look at the players they brought in since, you know, Petrangelo, Stone, Eichel. That's pretty impressive. And you do that with cap space and flexibility. Seattle's team, as it is now, very competitive, and you know how they like to play, and they can push teams. This team, to me, is not going to win a Stanley Cup. But like you said, and not that they're expecting to, Um, Like you said, they've got caps. How they spend that money and who they bring in to support a great foundation uh, will likely tell the tale, but they're on a similar trajectory, which is impressive considering how many teams learned lessons with Vegas' expansion draft and didn't make some of those same mistakes with Seattle.
2: This is Mike Kelly, NHL Network, our great contributor. Thanks for your time, man. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Thank you, sir. You as well.
1: Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to
2: the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Riders beat the uh, Edmonton Elks yesterday Um, (laughs) 17-13. There's a podcast called Rouge Radio Podcast, and they have... um, published an article about the Elks being accused of egregious lack of professionalism, awareness of player safety in a recent open tryout. Apparently, uh, one of the players at that tryout spoke out. Uh, a complaint has been filed with uh, the CFL-CFLPA. It's uh, punter Daniel Treo from the, the Texas Longhorns. He went to a tryout in Pasadena in April. Um... He said, uh, among other things, basically, uh, individual clubs and CFL sanction open tryouts. We look forward, uh, CFL said, to the initial communication brought to our attention to the CFL uh, as it did not fall under our collective agreement and jurisdiction. And as CFL spokesperson said, so apparently, according to this Treo Daniel Treo, the specialists, the kickers were told they have to help set up the drills. They had to time, help time the 40s. They, they basically stood around for eight hours. There was only allegedly only one big jug of water for all the guys. No food. They didn't know when, if, if and when they could leave because when they'd come up, then they were told, okay, you don't have to do anything now. You can just go stand off to the side and stretch out and stuff. And then they had to, after standing in 80 degree heat, upper 70s, 80 Fahrenheit heat, they had to do 15 kickoffs. 15 um, field goals from various distances, and punting. Now, yes, they're kickers. I get it. Okay. Um, but he is speaking out, and apparently uh, the Elks are denying any knowledge of it, but um, it has been filed with well, the what CFL. what kind of CFL thing would that
3: be to make up? Sounds like a football prison
2: camp. Yeah. It just leaves a bad taste in his mouth. He's still tracing the football dream, but he said... Uh, He's speaking out simply as service to others, especially recognizing money is tight for many recent graduates seeking an opportunity in their respective sports. Quote, they ran out of water. It was hot. No food. We couldn't leave because you didn't know when it would start for each position group. It was hot, like burning hot. It was kind of pointless, too. Honestly, I don't think we really needed to be there except set up drills and time 40s. There was like 80 athletes on the field, only a little jug of water for everyone. I just don't want someone else to go through it. It would take me a lot to go to another CFL tryout. That's the, the Elks are alleged to. Apparently he spent and think about these guys chasing their dream. This punter from uh, Texas Longhorns, Daniel Trao, said he uh paid 430 for air travel, $100 tryout fee, $222 for meals um in L.A. Wow. so that's what yeah and uh, he said he didn't really get a fair shake It's like a thousand bucks so American so um, that's uh, what's going on in Edmonton and they can't win on home turf 32,000 there yesterday though you got to give the Elks credit they they did their job getting people to the stadium and it wasn't a terrible effort by the football team just couldn't get anything going offensively pretty inexcusable when you can't score three times from the one yard line ask me about that I will later a dumb question <laughs> yeah 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 that's what he said. He was asked Don't. about that. And what do you think about Hey Chris what do you think about being stopped three times from the one-yard line? That's a dumb question. Don't. Uh, Chris, what do you think about uh, um, the 18-game losing skid on home turf? That's more dumb. <laughs> I don't know if he said exactly that. <laughs> anyway. That's um, uh, Zinger's version. Yeah, it's Zinger's version. We'll be back with the last hour of the show, including a chat with Craig Dickinson, your coach of the Victoria, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports talk
1: lives here. Welcome to another hour of The Sports Gauge with your host, Michael Ball. This is The Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the Riders' Bench Boss about the latest news from
2: the locker room. It's the only place
1: where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation.
2: And it's brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com. You can text in nine three and we'll pass on the text to the coach. Coach, welcome. Congratulations uh, formally. A formal congratulations on the win. I haven't talked to you really uh, since.
11: Yeah, well, thanks, Michael. Yeah. Uh, it was a g- good win, and uh, we're certainly mm, happy to start the year off on on a good note.
2: Yeah, for sure. Hey, Coach, what did yesterday either confirm about your team or what did you learn about your team with that win?
11: Well, I, th- I think what it confirmed was we got a de- we got a pretty good defense. Um, I thought our defense played well. We're going to see, obviously, a real test this week with Winnipeg, an offense that can put up a lot of points in a hurry. But I felt like it confirmed what we saw in training camp was that our defensive line was going to be, was going to be a good group, and then I think it also confirmed that we got good leadership on the team. You know, there was some adversity in that game, uh, and there was opportunities there where we could have folded and and, uh, and gotten beat. And I felt like our our leaders, our veteran players, stepped up and kind of willed us to the win. So. Good stuff. Good stuff
2: came out of that game. Yeah, cer- certainly, man. Um, I'm going to ask the question. We asked it after the game, and I'm going to ask it again because people were talking about it on Twitter and they're texting me. He told me to ask you this, so I'm going to ask you this, Coach. Just, just go through it again for those that may have not heard our post game show. What was the reasoning behind having Trevor Harris roll out and throw the ball like that? I did. I actually, truth be told. Didn't mind that, coach. I like that idea of what you're trying to do. I'll be honest. I wish maybe you would have used Shea Patterson, but just your thoughts.
11: Yeah. Well, it's just as simple as this. we got to play. Everybody has it. It's called kill six, where we feel like we can kill six seconds, and it's basically a play that you put in to end the game or end the half where you don't want to either punt or have to try to kick a field goal um, you know, to ice the game. Mm-hmm. And it's basically designed. It's a play designed where Trevor's not supposed to take a hit. He's supposed to throw it before the guy closes the distance. So um, he was just trying to do a little bit more than maybe he needed to at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was trying to kill an extra couple seconds when we really didn't need it. Uh, but you know, he's a tough dude, and he's gonna he's gonna try to push it and do do the do the you know the utmost to try to help our team win. So it's just a play designed to kill as much time as possible and be safe in the fact that you max protect it and you throw the ball out of bounds and try to kill some time and it's something we want to do at the end of the game the reason trevor's doing it is he's our most experienced quarterback and i don't feel comfortable when the game's on the line putting in uh, a rookie or somebody Mm -hmm. that hasn't done that before so we're just trying to win the game and um Trevor's going to be fine. We think he's got a little hip hip pointer, but he should be
2: fine. Yeah, you're uh, you're the coach, man, and that's why you get paid the big bucks. So uh, thanks for answering that. I I appreciate that. But let me ask you: You're on the sidelines. Was your heart was your heart in your throat when you saw him go down like that? Because he kind of got it. It was an awkward hit. He got hit from the back and the front.
11: Yeah, he just he pushed it too far. Uh, if if you'd have been on the sideline, you'd have heard me say, "Throw it." <laughs> uh you know but he was hanging on hanging on hanging on and at some point you got to let that go you know yeah. it's not it's not play designed to take a hit yeah um so that's uh, you know that's on him a little bit and he knows it i mean i appreciate the toughness but he's got to take care of himself not only for his own career but for the you know the the future of the team as well and that, that play is designed to kill 5 or 6 seconds not 8 so uh mm-hmm. he'll he'll learn from that and uh, I think the next time – I've never run that, by the way, in, in all my years coaching, you know, at least not in my five years as, as a head coach. So uh, when you run that, it's a good thing. It means you got the game in hand and you're you're holding on to the ball at the end.
2: Yeah, I uh, I appreciate the insight there. That's good. Puts that to rest. Thank you, Coach. Okay, so let's talk about Trevor Harris for a second. What are your opinions on how uh, his first uh, his first foray in rider colors went?
11: I thought it went well. I mean he- – he, he would tell you he didn't play as well as he'd like, and I'm sure he'd like a few plays back. But what we want from the quarterback position is leadership, managing managing the game, and, and getting people lined up and doing the right things. And I felt like he did all three of those. And like I said, he'll have a, a couple of throws back, uh, you know, throws that he wishes he probably had back. He'll have a couple of reads that he wishes he would have done differently. But for the most part, I thought he put us in position to win the game, and that last drive, I felt like he really executed the offense very well. He managed the game. He used clock when we needed him to use clock. He went quick when we needed him to go quick, and he made the throws when he needed to make the throws. So I was very much pleased with his performance, and uh, and I think the win, he, he deserves a lot of credit for the way the game turned out and for the win
2: Yeah, you know, and, and, and uh, nice ball fake on the play tomorrow to set up the touchdown to, to, uh, to Walker um, and I thought put a great ball right on in the on the right side in the end zone there Amalus, I think, has got to come up with that catch so the stats sometimes kind of lie, and, and then he I said in the broadcast, he's got all the mobility of a traffic cone, but he took it straight up the field for 19 yards when you guys were in the shadow of your own uh, goal post there
11: yeah, he can move better than you think, and, and uh, he'll he'll take off and run when need be, and and he'll slide when he needs to. I mean, I just have a lot of confidence in him, and I think I think that in and of itself tells you how we feel about Trevor Harris. Is when when the game's on the line, I want him out there because I feel confident that he's going to do the right thing, make the right decision, and, and make the throw or the run when he needs to. So. We're thrilled to have him, and he's 1-0 as a starting quarterback for
2: the Saskatchewan Yeah, Army. you can. That sounds so good, Coach. Uh, you uh, you must be smiling like a butcher's dog, though, because uh, you have talked about it. I want to be a physical team. I want to run the football. And two drives. I've never seen a team <laughs> move it from their two-yard line, 103 yards, and settle for a chip shot field goal, which I, even though it was a field goal, was definitely like, uh, hey, we're going to ram it down your throat. It was great. And then on the goal line stand, you guys basically killed the clock the rest of the way, which I thought was really encouraging. When you had to run the football to put it away, you did.
11: Yeah, that's that's a sign of, of a good team, you know. And it's still early in the season. We're not going to throw any victory parades, yeah. there, but we feel good about the fact that you're right. When we had to run it, and when everybody in the stadium knew we were going to run it, we still were able to do so, and uh, that's a testament to the O line and, and to the to the running backs. Um, we feel like that's how you win football games. You're good in the run game, and you can stop the run. And then when you need to make a pass, uh, you're able to do that as well. So, yeah, I was happy with the performance, no doubt.
2: And, Coach, you got to be happy about two other aspects in that game. Yes, it's only one game, but it's been kind of a trend uh, so far through the preseason, no matter who's in there. Only two quarterback sacks. You got five, gave up two, and I think five penalties for like 30-some yards. Like that is, That's pretty sound football.
11: Yeah, and we've been hitting it, as you know from being around us, Michael. We've been hitting it hard every day. And really, two of those penalties were no yards penalties or just just feel-for-the-game sort of penalties. So I really feel like the guys played a disciplined game. The, the guys were, were sharp in terms of attention to details. And we're going to keep hammering that home because we feel like if you can – be a a smart football team in terms of having a high football IQ and making good decisions when it comes to playing within the rules. I, I think you got a chance each week.
2: Coach, there are two, we've talked about this before, there are two plays in football that can change the absolute complexion of a game. Number one is a block punt. You don't see a lot of them. Block punts can do it. And goal line stands or when it's third and one and you make a play. What an absolute that effort by your defense down there after that uh bad decision by trevor harris that's team football right there you picked them up just, like talk about how that just changed the whole game
11: no doubt you know we we went from being down because you know we turned the football over on our end to being really really up because the defense just made a tremendous stop so yeah those are those are game you know short yardage those are game winning plays whether you're the ones completing it, you know, getting the short yardage or you're the ones on defense stopping them. So, huge defensive stand, you know, at the goal line there by the D and then the offense was able to to just basically run the clock out the rest of the way. So, you you could point to both both of those drives as as game-winning plays. The defense for sure on the goal line stand and then the offense Able to move the ball down and basically end the game.
2: Coach, I want to talk about a few individual players when we come back for our second hit. This is Coach Craig Dickinson. It's brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalauction.com. We'll be back in a moment here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports
2: Cage on 620 CKRM. Get those texts coming nine three six sixty two sixty two with uh, Coach Craig Dickinson. I'm Michael Ball. He's with us for one more segment, uh, Coach. This is an anonymous texter. Please leave your name. Um, the new punter Adam Korzak looked great. Your thoughts on your punter, Coach?
11: Yeah, I agree. It was, it was a good game for him. He he's got a lot of shots in the bag, and I think I think he showed some of that in that, that game yesterday. He can hit it high and turn it over, he can hit that knuckleball to the side, he can place it out of bounds. So we feel like he, he's a good football player. You know, that's the reason we drafted him first overall in the global draft this year, and he came in and did, a, did an outstanding job in helping us win that game.
2: Coach, is there something going on, though, between him and uh, Lother with regards to uh, just the way that he's putting it on the tee and holding there? What do you see in there? Because Lother doesn't miss those kicks usually.
11: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. You know, we certainly talked to Brett and Adam about that. I just think they need more time. Mm -hmm. You know, it is a new holder for Brett, and I think any time you've got a new holder, there's an adjustment period. But we're hoping that with reps and continued work and practice that those two can iron it out.
2: I know you, uh, because of the way the depth charts are manipulated and everything like that, uh, you had Mario Alford start the game and the first pass was down the the left sideline by the Elks bench. I thought it was a catchable ball, but good coverage by former rider Ed Ganey. But, man, does he have some juice on special teams. What a difference maker.
11: Yeah, he's explosive. Um, you know, we... We're lucky to have him. Uh, he he does a nice job back there, and I think I think he forces teams to think twice about kicking it to him. So, anytime you got a guy like that as your returner, you know you're in good shape.
2: Patrick in Saskatoon wants to know, Coach, uh, what song gets played after a win? Do you get to pick it, and do you dance? <laughs>
11: <laughs> I don't pick the music. Nobody likes my kind of music. that you do, Baldy? I do rock. I yeah, similar.
2: rock. Now, that's you
11: right. and I got similar music taste. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we we're gonna. It's funny he mentions that because we're going to uh, experiment with, with something uh, this year where whoever the player of the game is gets to, gets to pick out the playlist and then we let, let him play the music during practice. So, well, I'll let you know how that goes.
2: Okay, so did you pick a player of the game yesterday? For me on offense, for our broadcast purposes, I picked Jamal Morrow for, for closing the game out and I had um, Roland Milligan, who I think is the best halfback in the CFL.
11: Yeah, Milligan was one of our game ball recipients. He's he's really good. So if you had to ask me to pick one player, I think it'd be rolling for that game.
2: And I'll tell you what though, a close second man. He's a heat seeking missile and uh inspiration to a lot of Canadian players. I know my son DM'd him. Jaden Dolkey was like a heat seeking missile out there, playing like his hair was on fire on his dad's fiftieth birthday. He on that goal line stand, he made the play on second down.
11: Yeah, he's a, he's a good football player, tough as nails too. Now, he's he's just a kind of a throwback football player in a lot of ways. Um, a guy that seems and never seems too big for him when you put him out there. He's a, he's a good one. We're lucky to have him,
2: Coach. <laughs> he he's one of those guys. Do you like those guys? Guys, they don't care about their body. Why would they care about your body? You know what I mean? They just play. They just <laughs> get out there and play football.
11: Yeah, he's got a little bit of Jeff Beck in him. You remember Jeff? Yes. Jeff, who we had, and, you know, a longtime player for Calgary, Jeff was tough like that. So Dahlke's similar. Yeah. He's a little taller, a little bigger. Yeah. Similar mindset where they just throw their body in there, and uh, they're fearless. Got a lot of – and he's got a lot of courage.
2: Andrew in Saskatoon says, question for the coach. What's your feeling about the offensive line? How would you rate their performance, coach?
11: I'd say uh, solid B. I think we can do better. Uh, but they did what they needed to. We we ran for 135 and two sacks. So I felt like they played um, well. Uh, we still want to be elite. That's the goal this year is we're, we're chasing excellence and we want to be elite at everything we do. So there's a lot of room for improvement, but I give them a solid B and, I feel like they did enough to help us win.
2: Generally, defenses are ahead of offenses at this time of year, Coach, and I think that's particularly true in your team's case because you dressed a lot of your uh, ones against Winnipeg, and, and mainly on defense. Harris only got the one series. So I treat generally, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I treat the first and sometimes the second regular season game like an extension of the preseason to some extent. Yeah, it's it's hard
11: for the offenses to you know, keep up the speed with the defenses early in the season. And I think you see it in all leagues, not just our league, but the NFL, college football as well. So I think you'll see offenses slowly start to uh, develop their timing and rhythm. But defenses traditionally have a little bit of a head start on offenses. And I think. I think you saw that across the board in, in week one.
2: We talked about the Canadian dalky. Let's go on offense for a second here. Sam Emelis, who was a guy picked seventh overall in the draft the season before, and he showed flashes, but let's be honest, the offense was off kilter for a number of reasons last year. Uh, he had a couple of big catches over the middle, and that's the key. Caught him in traffic. The one I remember, he dragged it down to the six-yard line. Just your thoughts on Emelis.
11: Yeah. Good game for him, you know he got our game ball in offense, so you you picked Milligan and MLs, and they they're both were uh recipients of game balls uh, on that respective side Sam second year player and I, I know I said this a couple of days ago. It seems like second year players that's when they really take off so we were we were pleased to see him have a good game and we expect more of the same from him moving forward. he's a good football player, and I think he's got a bright future
2: coach. I respect the fact you've uh, you've you've um not been as forthcoming, which I like, kind of, to be honest with you. I know I'm in the media, but you've been kind of playing a little bit closer to the vest. So I'm not asking you to give me any dirt. But do you honestly believe you'll have you could have Gerald Hawkins back? And then, of course, we're waiting on Colin Kelly till uh, the Calgary game.
11: Yeah, we're going to get Hawk back. It's just a matter of when. So we we think he's coming back this week. We had a, a good visit with him uh, this morning. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing him soon. I can't tell you exactly when, but... We think we're going to see him back here in the next four or five days.
7: Okay.
2: And uh, lastly, just a shout-out to your two coordinators. Well, three coordinators. Majuri did a great job on special teams. I know you factor in there. Uh, and, and I really think that is going to be a key for us this year, field position-wise, and we seem to have won that yesterday. And then, of course, I thought Kelly Jeffrey called a pretty sound game as the uh, OC, especially when the game was on the line. And, I mean, Jason, Jason Shivers, I put him right up there as the top, top guy who doesn't have a head coaching job in this league.
11: Yeah, he you know, I was really happy with our whole staff. I felt like our communication was excellent from the booth down. I felt like our communication on the sidelines was good from me to the coordinators and back. Um that's really important, you know, and I think the players feed off of that when when the coaching staff communicates well and and, and understands kind of the the the, the message and the, the strategy, the game plan as a unit. I think I think it's easier to to get it to the players. So I, I was pleased with the game that Kelly called. I was obviously very pleased with the defensive game plan as well. Coach Shivers had, and I felt like we played a solid game on special teams too. So all in all, you know, I guess, I think an improved Edmonton team and a team, Edmonton team that's going to win some games this year and surprise some people. I thought, um, we had a nice a nice start to the season. I was happy with, with pretty much everything.
2: Lastly, Coach, i, I got to squeeze one more in here. You guys get back to the practice field tomorrow, okay? Uh, but it is a short week. Got to play Friday against the Bombers. What's your mentality in terms of how much you push the players? Is it more a mental rep week here?
11: Well, tomorrow's going to be um, a day one slash day two schedule for us, so it's going to be a little heavier in terms of meetings. Uh, we want to make sure and do a good job of looking at this last game and making the corrections we need to to get better. And then we'll get on the field for an abbreviated practice that's going to have maybe 15 to 20 reps is all for the O and the D. We'll do some special teams and then get them off. So mm. the goal is to just uh, do as much as we can mentally this week. We're going to have probably only one, one real day of practice, which will be on uh, Wednesday. And then, and then try to keep them as fresh as we can and as, as uh, healthy as we can going into this game. And
2: that's not necessarily a bad thing, Craig, because you've gone through the grind of training camp, so you kind of know physically what these guys can do. It's just going to be getting ready for the next opponent.
11: I think so. You know, we're gonna—they'll set the pace tomorrow. I'm not going to push them to, to do more than they—they're capable of doing, or, or, or do more than, than than they should. But tomorrow's going to be a big mental day. We still got to get on the field and. And uh, and get a little sweat going and, and run through some stuff, but it'll be mainly corrections and and uh, just a little bit of install. And then day three is going to be the very next day, and we'll try to try to push them a little harder on day three. But
2: you're right; just got to get them to the game, and hopefully. Yeah. They're fresh and ready to roll. Well, uh, I, we're excited to keep playing. I know the business side's got to be happy, Coach. I stood uh, 10 deep in line after we got off the plane to buy two tickets for my son to go to the game on. He's coming in for the game on Friday. So uh, the, the, the tickets are being snapped <laughs> up here. Still some to get, but it's going to be great. Dad's night out, so I can't wait for that. Thanks, Coach. Yeah,
11: we, we encourage all dads and, and, and all families to get to the game. The more folks we can get in the stands cheering and being loud, the better off. So Rider Nation... Let's uh, let's get out to that ball game this week.
2: Yeah, and drill those bombers. Thanks for your time, Coach. I appreciate it.
11: Thanks, Coach. See you Take, later.
2: Take care, man. Take care. That is Coach Craig Dickinson joining us for his weekly hit. We'll be back with Luke Mulliner on the other side here on six twenty CKRM. with your sports ticker for Busy Bee
3: Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. All right, what's going on right now? Well, Raptors, Fred Van Vliet has declined his $22.8 million player option and will become an unrestricted free agent here in July. So Raptor fans, (sighs) just breathing in and out. Box breathing, box breathing. That's what you got to do right now. Sticking with the NBA, NBA Finals Game 5 tonight. The Denver Nuggets can win their first ever NBA championship tonight on home court. They're taking on the Miami Heat. It's a 6.30 p.m. opening tip And yes, that's it. Talking about a team that was founded in 1967. And like I said, they could win their first ever Larry OB tonight. Go
1: Nugs. Let's round the bases. Time for today's sports cage Regina Red Sox report on the Voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM.
3: And your Red Sox report is for the Canadian Brew House. Enjoy the NHL at the CBH Saturday nights with a dollar off tankards, and it might not make it to Saturday because I believe uh, the next game in that series goes tomorrow, and the Vegas Golden Knights are just one win away from. Uh, being crowned Stanley Cup champs. We shall see. We're talking baseball here, though. Over 1,000 fans were treated to a uh, nice showing by the hometowners yesterday afternoon at Curry Field. The Sox came away with a 9-1 to win over the Weyburn Beavers, and there was a couple of mascots in the crowd yesterday. The Sox mascot, of course, Slider. He was on the friendly confines roaming around, but also the A&W Bear was in attendance yesterday afternoon at Curry Field. It was the the Runs for MS game, the A&W on Avonhurst here in Regina, donated $100 towards multiple sclerosis for every Red Sox run scored. So yes, do the math. Nine runs, $900 donated yesterday. So the Red Sox bats, they showed out when they needed to. So yeah, just an awesome day at the ballpark yesterday. The Sox are back at it tomorrow at Curry Field versus the visiting Fort McMurray McMurray Giants, rather 7.05 p.m. opening pitch.
1: The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking Riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
2: So we know Nick Taylor won the uh, RBC Canadian Open yesterday, and Adam Hadwin went onto the field with spring champagne when security tackled him because he was in street clothes. Well, the chief sport officer of Golf Canada announced that the champagne bottle that Adam Hadwin was spraying when he was tackled by security is entering the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. So there you go. That's kind of cool. Um, Nick Taylor, first Canadian to win that tourney since 1954. His buddy Adam Hadwin tried to celebrate, looked like something right out of uh, <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Um I did a power ranking for the Canadian Football League, and uh, my power ranking is as follows. I've got uh, Winnipeg 1, BC 2, Toronto 3, Sask 4, Montreal 5, Calgary 6, Hamilton 7, Edmonton 8, Ottawa brings up the basement after week number one. Let's head out in the Western Pizza hotline, talk to our friend Luke Mulliner, who joins us. Western Pizza, get it hot, get it fast uh, at Western Pizza. Luke, uh, all in all, 1-0 is a lot better than 0 and one that's for sure.
12: Yeah, you know, I think that I, I'm, I was really happy with the result of the game. Um, I think the team played well. You know, one of the things that people need to understand about, especially about this day and age in the Canadian Football League, um, you know, NFL or CFL, because of the way the exhibition games are now set up, you know, with, with the, the guys not playing as much, you know, the week number one is normally the first time a team really actually gets together, right, and goes out and takes serious reps um, for the first time. And we saw really some struggles throughout the week you know, whatever game. The only team that didn't struggle is the team that's actually used to winning. And that's
2: the Winnipeg Blue Box. And brought everybody and, back. Because, and brought everybody back.
12: Right. And, 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 and they're just a cohesive unit regardless. And so when I watch all this, all, all the games, I'm not surprised that there's a lot of show. The one thing I was surprised at, at was the fan reaction in Friday Nation. I don't understand why 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 there's a lot of unhappy people with a one with with a one and zero record right now. I can promise you this: that's a really good Edmonton team, and that team is going to get better. Both teams came into that game with strengths exactly where they we thought they were. They were strong defensively, and they were strong on special teams. Both teams, and that showed. That showed on both sides of the ball. I thought it was a great game. I thought, um, you know, there was obviously some mistakes. But again, if I'm in Ryder Nation right now, I'm really proud. I'm really enthusiastic. And now I'm looking forward to a great game against Winnipeg. That's going to be the barometer. It's going to be early barometer, but it's a barometer nonetheless.
2: Yeah, you should be able to get up for it. It's the home opener, Dad's Night Out, Kim Mitchell in the house. Still tickets available. Make sure you get there. I did go pick up a pair of tickets, Luke, when I was done with you on the plane, and I was 10 deep in line, and it, people were uh, snapping tickets up. So that's good. Good to see. That's what winning does. Um, let's talk about a few things in that game what did you think of the offensive line? They only gave up two sacks, which is uh, pretty good against a very physical, athletic D-line for Edmonton.
12: Yeah, again, I felt like our offensive line right now is really in probably the third scenario that the Rough Riders imagined going into camp, right? Their first scenario was Hawkins at left tackle, probably um, probably Evan Turner on the right tackle, Philip Blake at left guard, right? And, like, that's just – they're not even close to that. So, for their third case scenario, I thought that offensive line did well. Um, are they going to need to get better? Absolutely. Um, but I thought on both sides of the ball, both sides of the trenches showed well. It was a great start. Obviously, our defensive line had a better start than our offensive line. But for that patchwork sort of group that was – I thought they did did a great job being prepared for that game, and I thought Coach Vitale did a great job having them prepared for what Edmonton and Chris Jones was going to do.
2: Yeah, and of course he came from Edmonton, so he might have a little insight there. I will tell you this, man. I'll take two sacks any day with that kind of offensive line, like you said, that was on its third uh, depth chart, basically. And, Luke, five penalties, like 37 yards. That's pretty good.
12: Yeah, it was one of the things that I think Coach Dickinson went into training camp trying to eliminate, right? And uh, when we talked to him at, at some point on the radio, I can't remember when it was, but, you know, I essentially asked him, hey, is it something that's just expected or is the discipline um, deal something that you baked in to training camp? And he said right away, he said, we baked it in, right? We're trying to get ahead of this. So, again, um, you're 1-0. You had some really positive things happen. Now you just gotta, Now you just got to build. And just like I, I mentioned with Jake Mayer, right? Like Jake Mayer, they didn't pay him to not have a bad day in Calgary. They paid him to build off his bad days and come back and look like an all-star the next game, right? There's some high-paid pl- players on the Riders that aren't being paid to have a bad day. They're being paid to adjust and get better for the next game out. And I think that, should. you know, again, we should be – we should be fairly enthusiastic about this team's opportunity. A lot's got to go right, just like a lot had to go right last night. But again, I think this team can compete if they, if they get their mind right.
2: Jaden Dolkey reminds me a lot of Tyrone Brackenridge. Brack didn't care about his body. Why would he care about yours? Dolkey plays the same way. No indecision there. He knows what he's doing, and he's going hard.
12: Well, I think that, you know, it's funny. I think that, uh, I mean, even I, I saw a couple of members of the media call him or re- refer to him as a rookie. Like, we've got to remember that Jaden Dahlke's been in the Canadian Football League for a little bit now, and, and he's got some experience. And, and I don't think we should be surprised with the way that he's playing. This is a guy that played linebacker, right, for the Riders. He's played a lot, of, knows the defense. So I think that, I, you know, I, w- I wasn't surprised at all. I think that that is an expected in-and-out um, performance, for Jaden Dalkey from this point on, right? Uh, and yeah. and I and I get all the comparisons. You know, you're right. Tyron Brackenridge. He's a little bigger than Tyron Brackenridge, though, right? Yeah. I, I really again. I I think he's got a. I think he's got a little b- bit of a personality. I know uh, my buddy Watts texted me last night. He's like, man, I'm you a lot of Craig Butler, and I said, nah, but Butler was, you know, he's a little bit of a cardboard guy, right? But Dalkey mm. like, has a personality. I, I like him to a guy like, I played with, like Scott Gordon. But yep. Again, this is this is the first Prince of Duke and uh, game one at starting safety. It was a great
2: performance. Well, I'm going to go on the record right now, off the top of my head. I don't know if he's the best, but I can't think of anybody better at halfback. The second ta- the second toughest position to play in the CFL besides quarterback is that boundary halfback. And I will say, Roland Milligan is a flat out stud.
12: Yeah, and, and Roland Milligan, we shouldn't be surprised either, right? I, I think that this is a guy that just understands how to be a great pro. You know, he doesn't get the greatest interviews. You know, We, we tried to get a, a little bit out of him uh, in the yep. post-game interview. But, and the reason he doesn't get great interviews is because he's just a pro's pro. He's there to put in the work. He's there to do everything right, right? And, and he's there to win. And I, I think that when we talked in training camp about that defense starting to rally around the right guy, Right, like Robertson, like Lanier. Put Milligan in there as one of those leaders with Larry Dean, right? Because he's a guy that is is here to do right. He loves playing football, and I think that that's another performance we can expect week in and week out from a guy like Roland
2: Milligan. Hey, what do you like, before we wrap up the defense, what do you like about uh, what you're seeing from the defensive line?
12: Well... (laughs) You know, I really, um, again, I was on record as not liking um, Anthony Lanier being moved out. Um, you know, but after I talked to Coach calstead you know, and he talked about, you know, keeping Lanier free of double teams and giving him a better two-way go from that boundary side in. And then I saw him play um, yesterday, and he was a wrecking ball. There are some things that he's going to have to get used to in terms of steps, and in terms of the, you know, for instance, the RPO and not getting fucked up field on, on the quarterback handoff mesh. But those will come. Like those will, But I think that, you know, moving him out was really a product of guys like Demarcus Christmas and Miles Brown being ready. And thank goodness Micah Johnson was healthy because Micah made a difference. That is one of the more – that's going to be one of the more physical defensive fronts in the game. And I'll tell you what, the more we watch Brian Cox Jr., the more you get, you're get, you starting to learn about him and his mentality and his attitude. That is a physical guy, right? You know, I, I remember <laughs> there's always these young guys in, when I was in the rider camp, right? And, and some of them wouldn't catch on to the pro playbooks right away. Right, but the ones that lasted would just were just willing to just hit anything and remove the top off anything that was in front of him. And Brian Cox is like that. Those plays will come, like the playbook will come for him. But as long as he's willing to do the physical work, he's going to be fine. And yesterday, there was a, you know we saw it time and time again when he was he was getting reps. You know that physical presence. That's going to be a physical defensive play. They've got to stay healthy. But again, I think the depth is is is, is a positive thing there because now you're not as worried if Micah Johnson did miss a week or two. Now you wouldn't be as worried mm. if Lanier missed a week or two because you saw the potential there from some of the other guys, and really, that's what you expect from last year to this year.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I really like what I saw from Miles Brown and DeMarcus Christmas, who both had quarterback sacks. They were around it. They, they played pretty good games yesterday.
12: Yeah, and don't forget about Charbel Beer. You didn't get a lot of playing time, but again, you got the final sack of the game, and And I think that that's that's the point. The point is, right now, there are guys that are taking advantage of the windows of opportunity that they're getting, right? And that's what you expect to see, right? You don't know how many reps you're going to get in the game. All you know is that when you are in the game, do something. Put something on. Yeah,
2: you're, you know, riders got that out a lot of guys. I listened back to the broadcast. At least part of it here. And you made a point that I thought was great. The Rough Riders were getting great contributions from their depth players on special teams. AJ Allen, Nelson Lacombe, uh Jackson Ford in his first professional football game made one tackle and was around it a lot. Micah Tights may have missed the tackle on defense, but he was a uh, flying around on special teams.
12: Yeah, Absolutely. And don't forget about Mark Corte Moore. Right? Yeah. Those guys, those guys were brought in and they 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 understand their role. That's the best part. Any team has got a chance to be successful with guys who understand their role. Should they be happy and satisfied with not being starters? Absolutely not. But their mentality needs to be until I am a starter, every single rep on this field, someone's gonna
4: feel
2: me. Yeah, it's a good point, man. Hey, thanks for your time, Luke. We'll check in later in the week. We're back at it Friday, man. I can't wait. Dude, that's I'm gonna right? be I was getting excited for
12: Friday on the plane back this morning. Like, I was literally thinking about, okay, well, you know, the riders, the one thing that's most important is going to be a fast start, or at least being able to defend, defend against a fast start, right? Because that was really where the bombers got off. So, yeah, I'm, I'm already ready for this game. We could play it tomorrow and I'd be ready. But again, we wouldn't be playing, so that'd be, it'd be easier on us. <laughs> yeah.
2: Take care, man. Have a good night. All right, dude. That's uh, Luke Mulliner, and he referenced Roland Milligan. That's how we'll wrap the show up. We'll go to the locker room. The Riders picked him as their player of the game. We did too on defense. We'll hear from him with Luke Mulliner. The conversation after the game yesterday. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports
2: Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the sports cage. About to wrap the show up. Sean Kleisinger, Michael Ball. Roland Milligan had an interception and made the tackle on third and one as Kyle Oxley tries to knife off the left side. He comes up from his halfback spot on the right side of the defense. Comes through and makes a big tackle on number 10. Riders would go on to drive the field and kill the clock and win at 17-13. Um... We had a chance to catch up with Mr. Roland Milligan, our defensive star of the game after the game. Here's Luke Mulliner in conversation.
5: Defensive player of the game, Roland Milligan. Hey, man, talk about a hey, your first interception, but more importantly, why don't we just talk about how the game went overall, right now for you?
13: Uh, it was a, it was a dogfight for sure. <laughs> you know, it went down to offense, really. You know, doing what they had to do and running that clock out for us, but um, it was a dog fight. I mean. That's just that's how football is.
5: Three straight goal line stops where you finished the, the last one off getting in on the tackle. Um, hey, what was the call? How did you play it and, and why was it so successful?
13: Just squeeze. So, you know, everybody knows they're finna run QB sneak. So, everybody on the line, everybody got a gap. You just got to be physical and do your job. And then, whenever the play comes, you just got to make a play. That's all I did. A lot of
5: talk. Uh, centered around the elite perception about the Edmonton Elk wide receiver group right is that motivating when you come to into a game like this I mean you get to play big money guys like Eugene Lois and and you played them well
13: always you know is you know you want you want to be challenged you know what I'm saying you don't want to go out there and just you know I I, I personally like to be challenged you know he's a good receiver and you know he did what what he's used to doing you know he went up and caught a 50-50 ball and made a play you know but um like I said, I I'm am I'm I like the challenge. I'm going to try to ride the occasion as best as I can, and I'm expecting him to do the same. A lot of the talk,
5: and, and especially, you know, being able to be around this locker room, it feels like you guys are a more cohesive unit. I know it's really, really early. But is that the case? You guys, there's more of a different core here this year. Is it working out better for you?
13: I mean, it's just how we wanted to come in. You know, last, last year was disappointing. You know, and um, this year coming in, you know, we just, we don't want to, face that same type of disappointment so you know we're trying to hold each other accountable more than we did last year we're um like I said everybody's just doing their job and being where they're supposed to be doing the things they're supposed to be on and off the field you're in a different
5: position as a leader now um talk about how you guys now switch the focus quickly as coach Dickinson uh uh, said to Winnipeg
13: uh I mean, you know, we, we just got we just won a game, so we're gonna enjoy it for tonight. But um you know, it's, it's one game out of eighteen. So we gotta be ready to, to start preparing for the next game. You know, everybody knows who Winnipeg is, so you know they gon they gonna bring everything they got every time they step on the field. So we gotta be able to match that intensity and make the plays that we gotta make to win.
2: Great job today, man. Stand you up one. That is Roland Milligan. Great job. Interception couple of big tackles made the goal line stand that helped us win the football game. Dad's night out on Friday. About 6,000 tickets remain, but I was in line, and they are starting to go, so make sure you uh, get Dad. Take Dad to the game. Why not take Dad to the game? Yeah, come on. I know you can take your dad, Patrick, to the game because you're going to be working here, and you can't go with Casper because you're going to be working here, which is... I'm going to be in the lab. The tough thing with the job, but yeah, we need you. You're important to the broadcast. But yeah, uh, get Dad a ticket, take Dad to the game. Kim Mitchell's going to be there, and... I just can announce this today. There's going to be a guaranteed 50 50, no less than 100,000 G's, Ooh. courtesy of the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. You can buy online. You can buy, obviously, in person, but easiest online at uh, the Rider website, riderville.com. Yeah, the Saskatchewan Rough Rider 50 50 has been seated um, SED s e e d e uh, d and we'll have a guaranteed jackpot of one hundred thousand dollars we had a great show today coach Craig Dickinson with some great comments you can check that out in podcast form uh, got this text to wrap the show up Arnold said he was really happy to see the Rough riders stay on side at the goal line yeah they had problems yeah. with that last year I was worried about it too in fact right before they stopped them I yelled hey stay on side fellas and they did so I'm with yep. you Arnold
3: Nick Marshall almost went off almost
2: but he timed it perfectly. Uh, Ballsy, what was the deal on the Milligan interference penalty? He got a hold of... Uh, his hand. His hand, but like it was... It was a contact legal contact penalty upgraded to pass interference. Coach was going to challenge. Should have asked him that. I'm sorry I didn't. I'll try to get information on that and uh, report back to you tomorrow. But thank you for your text. Make sure you text in tomorrow. And uh, thanks for following the show. You can check it out in podcast form when the great Sean Kleisinger puts it up. And wherever you go get your podcast, please like and give us a good review. We'd like to uh, know that you're listening and uh, enjoying the work we do here on your voice of Saskatchewan, your voice of Rough Rider football, and your voice of the CFL 620 CKRM we'll talk to you tomorrow
1: today's sports cage has come to a close miss a segment download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca get your sports straight from the source 620 CKRM